JMV here with Brian Kahn from Floors to Your Home. Fans, if you're shopping for flooring of any kind, you need to check these guys out. You're going to have the most incredible, totally hassle-free shopping experience ever. JMV, we really appreciate you saying that. That's our goal every day, to offer our customers a quick, easy, and hassle-free experience at all of our Floors to Your Home locations. Fans, it works like this. You see the product you like. It's going to be cheaper than anywhere else. That's for sure. Then you can immediately take it home with you or have it installed. That's right. No hassle, no special order. Just see it, buy it, and take it home, or have it installed. Like three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof flooring starting at just 349 and they have everything in stock. I'm doing my whole house, and believe me, this is the best shopping experience you'll ever have. Three convenient locations, Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who gives the quickest, easiest, and most hassle-free buying experience? Floors to your home. That's who. What in the hell do you think you're doing? Hey, John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get late. And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard. A pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. Oh, what a chicken. Double time. Miles Turner. Yeah. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, welcome in. This is a Thursday, busy Thursday. I mean, busy. So, Jeff, Saturday is officially in, so now they've uh, interviewed or asked to interview uh, for the better part, what, like uh, 35 or 40 people, I think, something like that. It's going to be interesting to see whose choice this is going to be. We know overall whose choice this is going to be. But we also know this, the amount of influence given to what we have been told um, is clearly on an interim basis was the the choice of the owner in Jeff Saturday. So Jeff Saturday is in with that interview today. Uh, he joins that scroll, that list of those that have been a part of it, too. It's weird, too. If you're watching on YouTube Live, apparently, who do I blame for screwing up the microphone? Kevin Bowen this yeah, morning? Yeah, that would be KB. Apparently, Kevin Bowen was looking to trade this microphone for future assets and draft capital, uh, and this microphone is not working right now. So I am actually using mic two, and you can see me kind of stretched across everything right here, because as Eddie knows this, Eddie Garrison is in studio. Uh, unlike everybody else, I like to run my own stuff. I do. I run my own stuff. I play the old reentry music. I run my own microphone. So this is going to be be stretching back and forth just a little bit. Good to see Fife in here. Shout out to Dane Five. Dane and uh, Charlie did a good job right before me. I am a huge fan of Dane Five. Dane Five looked a lot taller than when I saw him last. I thought, am I shrinking? I got some shrinkage working here. But a shout out to Fife and Charlie for putting on a good three hours prior to. Evan Sidery of Basketball News is going to join us. Look at the fellas right here. I'm going to tell you, when I put out the bat signal, we get Devin, 
We get Devin, we get Cam in here to fix what ails it. Look at me. Here, Cam, I'm stretched all out over here. So here they come to fix that thing. Evan Sidery of Basketball News, bottom of the hour. As we approach the trade deadline and you start to hear a lot of those names floating around out there, who might be out there? What might Miles want as far as an extension? I know if you're watching the Pacers last night, it's one of those things where now everybody says, well, you don't want him. Here's what I liked last night. And I told you just how tough, I told you how difficult of a game this is going to be. It was going to be difficult with or without Tyrese Halliburton. Friday night's going to be difficult. Saturday night's going to be difficult. There's not a lot of margin for error. You want to ask me, why are you not mad? Why should you not be upset about this? Because this is a part of it. You are still, in a way, what do they say? Having your cake and eating it too? In part, you are. It's just that they were in a better situation, and they always will be in terms of winning if Tyrese Halliburton is out there. But you can't make up for that. They they can really barely make up for anything. It's not their fault. That's just the way that they look right now. But as we talked about yesterday, going in with the offense that Oklahoma City can put up on a night-in and night-out basis, you knew that that was going to be entirely difficult. Now, uh, nothing will chase you off of a game and especially that early, if you were watching the early stages last night, quite like a 17-to-1 start. Um, I've watched enough girls basketball to know somebody just shut me off right here. <laughs> hey, Devin, I don't think I'm on any longer. <laughs> Am I on here because I can't hear myself? Am I still on? Uh-oh. Dev, I'm not going to get electrocuted, am I? Because there are a lot of people out there that think that would be funny right now. So I am still on. I just can't hear myself. There we go, Dev. Well done right there. That's Dev. But there's not enough margin for error with this team to be able to to get past, especially with the offense that OKC most of the time can throw at you. Really, if you start out 17-1, to you get back in it, you're down in the second quarter, you push that thing up, and you're down by three. The problem that you have is you expend so much energy trying to get back into it, and then when they, as they did, lay another run on you right before the half, then you're basically done. That is the issue. The biggest issue of getting down is not so much trying to work your way back, because if you've watched years and years of NBA, normally these teams will work their way back with any early lead, but it's being able to not just push your way back, but then sustain after that. That is the most difficult. But in a night that was incredibly forgettable, and you may get that coming up tomorrow night as well in Denver, you may get that coming up on Saturday night in Phoenix, but on a night that was incredibly forgettable, I will say this because Eddie Eddie obviously is in here and he's running, you know, running the game and such. Um, I love the fact, a lot of you have brought this up too, Miles getting on guys for not getting the basketball. That's something else that's incredibly different without Tyrese Halliburton. It is not the same coming off a high ball screen, a screen and dive in that situation with, and I like Andrew Nemhart a great deal, but it's not the same. 
And there was a little frustration brewing. And you know what? That is quite all right. Get that frustration going. Show everybody, even in a contract year, that you care. You care about you. You care about the product. That's good. If it's anybody else, you're going to call that leadership. But if it's 33, you're going to say, oh, this guy's just all ego-driven, all about himself. Crap that you guys don't know, but you're going to say it. But good. Because there were a number of times, and again, it wouldn't have mattered. It would not have mattered. They were going to lose last night because offensively, Oklahoma City was just way better than they were, and they couldn't stop them. They went through that second quarter where, because of turnovers, and by the way, we'll get to the whole turnover act of the Pacers last night. was awful. But in that second quarter, you saw OKC turn it over and turn it over. Missing shots, not getting opportunities to score in that second quarter. Yeah, 19 down, you move it all the way back down to three. But you knew where that thing was going. And you're probably going to see the same thing. But I'm not, you know, I am not persuaded to believe that I'm all of a sudden going to switch it off now. You just kind of know where this team is. Now everybody's saying you have to stay legitimate in terms of building for the future. Who thought that this was going to be without its lumps? It's almost like that those that suggest that here's what happens, you, you know, you got to make sure you're pure with the rebuild. Nah, you got to make sure that you're pure and you're honest with yourself. This is a group that continues to grow. Sure as hell they have to add stuff. But I don't know if they're looking at it on this this blueprint of, well, we got to make sure we have to do this and we have to do that. You knew you were going to go through some of this. You just thought it was going to be a lot more of it in this season. But... They won some. They get everybody excited, which you have every right to be excited because teams around here don't win enough other than Purdue to get you excited. Not enough excitement there in the past. Been a lot of letdown. So you had every every opportunity and every reason why you should be fired up about it. But, yeah, you knew all this was coming, and you certainly knew this was coming when Tyrese Halliburton went out. That's what I mentioned. You go back to Friday night against Atlanta, that's a game that you had to have. That's the game that you needed because you have you could have put a win into what was going to be because of the circumstances, a lot of losing. And, again, even with Halliburton, they probably lose last night. They probably win on Monday in Milwaukee, but, you know, essentially if Halliburton plays, although I, I think last night, I think, I don't think Giannis played last night either, if memory serves. But, you know, you were thinking maybe Giannis would have played if Halliburton would have played, I don't know, on Monday. Let's just say the way that that thing went down on Monday with Halliburton, you would have had a chance. Same thing would have happened on Saturday with Memphis. I don't think that would have changed the outcome with that group. And it certainly would not have changed the outcome, I don't think, last night. They were just unable to stop anybody. Maybe you don't have as many turnovers. Maybe you do, but they just turned that thing over last night at an absolute alarming rate. You can't have it. But this, even in the good times, 
is something that you should be prepared for. And we'll see where they go from here. Got back to back Denver and Phoenix coming up tomorrow night and on Saturday. That again without Halliburton is going to be incredibly difficult. But now nah, I'm not mad. Who's mad? Do I think it should change their train of thought? I don't know what their train of thought might have been. It seems like that they like to keep this group together. But for this team to play as well as we have seen it, even against good teams, it needs to be, for the most part, at full strength. And especially for the guy that is absolutely the straw. We can hit that. Evan Sidery, bottom of the hour, basketball news. A lot of things on that front. Yeah, coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. I think Rafael Davis is going to join us for the Big Ten Network. The former Boilermaker is going to be on here. We'll talk about a couple of games tonight. Purdue, Minnesota, IU and Illinois. IU, Illinois downstairs. 7.30 pregame show coverage, right? 8.30 is the tip. From Champaign tonight, IU women last night, all-time win leader in the women's program history for Terry Morin last night. That happened over in Champaign, so a shout-out to that women's program and their head coach. Uh, We'll talk about the two matchups tonight with Rafael Davis coming up at 4.30, the former Boiler, and more on Jeff Saturday finally being interviewed. Is this going to be it? Where you guys lean right now? You guys lean that it is going to be more about Saturday than it is anybody else because of the owner? Or do you think that enough was shown over the course of the remainder of the season when he was in on the interim basis that that would have locked him out? That would have sent this decision going in another place. I'm telling you, never... Until it is done and it isn't him. I think it was Steven San Antonio that asked me this last night. But until it is done, until it isn't him, till that final decision is made and it's not Jeff Saturday, you can consider him being right up there. Whether you like it or not, right up there. So we shall discuss that. You know, it's kind of funny. I mentioned Rafael Davis is going to join us bottom of the 4 o'clock hour. It's kind of funny. You get kind of a changing of the guard in college basketball with those that do the games. And frankly, I've never really cared. I don't really deeply dislike anybody. And I love the old standbys. I love Bill Raftery. Always have, always will. But I'm going to tell you this. On CBS... During that IU-Wisconsin game this past Saturday, I forgot to bring this up earlier this week. But I loved, I absolutely loved that combination. I think it was Spiro Ditas was doing it too, right, that Saturday in Bloomington. I didn't mind that. I've always loved Raftery, still do. I love Jay Wright. It's just a great combination. I mean, you get a guy that, you know, is, is personality-driven, and Raftery, he's not going to deeply rooted X and O. And I don't need that. 
I want to be entertained a little bit. Half the time, I've got the volume turned down and I listen to music. But when I do, I kind of want to be entertained. I don't need to take a basketball 101, 101 course from anybody. Anybody else want that? Or are you out there to learn something? What are you learning? I don't need to learn anything. I want to be entertained. Entertain me. But I thought you got a really good combination of both on Saturday. Between the old school, the old guard, and Raftery just kind of being Raftery and man to man. But I thought Jay Wright was really good. And it would stand to reason, two-time national champion, head coach, that he would be really good. But I thought he was very good. Uh, We'll get your thoughts on that. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live. I'll see everybody lurking there. I'll log on coming up in just a minute, too. (laughs) I know. You guys, I told you on a night like last night with the Pacers, my timeline on Twitter was much more entertaining than the game was. The game was as such as you could turn that thing off and be okay in just staring at my Twitter account, which always goes crazy. How and why do you put up with that? Because I need some entertainment value too. Well, the game was equally boring for me. I saw this a little bit earlier today, right? And it struck me regarding the Hagen story with me and Hagen years ago with Eric DaCosta of the Ravens. Apparently in the presser today, first of all, the Ravens appear to go after an offensive coordinator and will get input from Lamar Jackson. There's a lot of weirdness going on in that, but the sweating profusely of the general manager of the Ravens, the ultimate red-ass Eric DaCosta in that press conference today was outstanding. If you saw any of that, one of my favorite films of all time is Broadcast News. Love Broadcast News. And the Albert Brooks scene where he's anchoring nationally on the weekend and he just starts sweating profusely is fantastic. When that thing is on, I will watch that over and over again because even though it was made back in 1987, there's still a number of truths to it right now. But when I saw that video of Eric DeCosta, and he, uh, evidently he said he was working out before the presser and he came there. It was kind of like that George Costanza thing where he went back to a meeting after working out and couldn't stop sweating. And I think in that episode that people were thinking he was stealing things from the company because things, uh, I, I guess there were some uh, conversations about some thievery going on if memory serves and Costanza was sweating and they thought he had something to hide. But the 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 broadcast news comparison to DaCosta today regarding Albert Brooks, outstanding. So whoever came up with that for me earlier today, shout out to you for it. That is outstanding. It's interesting, too. When you look back a year ago and you had that clown show mess with Urban Meyer going on, which should be even more embarrassing now considering where Jacksonville is going to the divisional round postseason weekend. But when they got rid of, of the uh, the clown and the clown show down in Jacksonville, there was some thought that maybe Byron Leftwich would be 
the guy next up there. Ultimately, Doug Peterson was the choice as a head coach, and it's worked out. They won the AFC South. They won a playoff game. They're going to the divisional round. But if you're Byron Leftwich, you kind of hang on with Tom Brady and you take on another year. You know, your head coach steps away. Todd Bowles is your head coach, and now you're kind of on the outside looking in after you get fired as the OC. So last year, everybody thought that he was going to be on the verge of taking over a head coaching job, and now he's just out of a job altogether. It is always pretty funny who ends up getting the blame. And you see that everywhere, including here. You know, in Arizona, it was the GM, it was the head coach. With the Chargers, it was what the offensive coordinator, it was the quarterback's coach, not the head coach. I like Tom Telesco a great deal, but not even Tom Telesco, the guy that runs the organization. Always interesting who gets the blame. But Byron Leftwich was on the verge a year ago, and as of right now, done. Done as the offensive coordinator of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as of earlier today. Funny how football works. So the Dolphins fired their defensive coordinator, Josh Boyer. Greg Roman, the OC with the Ravens. As I mentioned earlier, they're on the lookout now for a new OC, apparently gaining and gathering input. Courtesy of Lamar Jackson, which is kind of odd, I guess. Maybe it's not odd. Greg Roman is out. He walks away. And you have an interesting night of college hoop. The one thing that Purdue has done, and Rafael Davis, as I mentioned, will join us coming up at the bottom of the 4 o'clock hour, and done well. And it seems like if there's anything that's difficult to do, they always talk about winning on the road, no matter who you are, winning on the road. But how about winning on the road in one possession games on the road? Think about that. Ohio State, Michigan State. You think about that near debacle, if you will, in Lincoln against Nebraska. Remember how many shots on goal Nebraska had in that final possession? Like six. It was like Moses Malone on the offensive glass back in the day. Had six opportunities at that thing. But these single possession games and winning on the road, that is hard to come by. One, both are. If you just look at it individually, both are incredibly difficult to do. But when you add them both to that equation, that again goes to show you how well that Purdue right now is playing. On the road at Minnesota coming up later on tonight, IU and Illinois again. Downstairs, 7.30, your pregame coverage from Champaign, IU and Illinois tonight. Downstairs on 93 WIBC. All right, let's get this thing straight. Your calls at 239-1070 coming up. Uh, regarding my question about Saturday and the field, if you were a betting person right now, and I'm assuming a lot of you are, if you were a betting person, would you take Jeff Saturday or the field? Considering what you know, and try if you can, try if you can not to put your preference in it. 
But if you had your money on the line, would you take Jeff Saturday or would you take the field? I mentioned what I liked yesterday so far as far as the interview process is concerned. And I mentioned old and crusty to everybody got to laugh about that. I just think this team needs a little bit more hardcore. I think the last thing this team needs is some young guy that's not done it before. That's flexible and understanding of the modern day player and or athlete. The hell with that. They need somebody that's going to be telling them what to do. So I mentioned a guy like Dan Quinn in a group of names that really didn't stand out. That's one that certainly stood out. But now this one's for you. Take your allegiance out of it. Take your thought on who you think it's going to be out of it. But if you're going to make a bet, would you take Jeff Saturday or take the field for the next head coach of the Colts? Mike Chappell will discuss that with us coming up in the 5 o'clock hour as well. Again, Mike Chappell after 5, Rafael Davis of the Big Ten Network, the former Boilermaker in the 4 o'clock hour. Evan Sidery, Basketball News, going to join us coming up at the bottom of the hour. Eddie, remind me of this too. I believe Rick DeMulling, the former Colts offensive lineman, is going to join us at 5.30. So 5.30 for Rick DeMulling. Uh, coming up, and this is just beyond football, football conversation for real, but I think he's a part of a poker event. So you guys dig on poker. So a part of a poker event down at the uh, Horseshoe, Indiana Grand, either at the end of this month or early in February, but he'll he'll tell you all you need to know about that coming up at about 5.30 today. All right, 239-1070 is the number. Inside the Lounge via YouTube Live, you got it email-wise, jmv at 1075thefan.com. You got the stream, you got the app, HD Radio, and let's go ahead and lock in and get this thing going coming up on the other side. Evan Sidery, Basketball News, you and me at 239-1070. This is 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. Let me have a Diablo sandwich of Dr. Pepper. Make it fast. I'm going to damn hurry. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Rafael Davis, former Boilermaker, Big Ten Network. Four o'clock hour. Chapel's going to be here too. Jeff Saturday was in for that interview earlier today. How many is that now? 18? 13? 25? 34? Sean Collinsworth says this, so it's Thursday, and no opportunity to take in JMV on remote. What is wrong with the world? I am right there with you. I'm not going to suggest it's a wasted day when I'm not out because I do like being in studio too, but I love being out. And if you watched, if you're on YouTube Live, because we do it not just in here in studio, but we also do it on the road, you can understand why I love being on the road. Brian Hare says, I get not a young guy, but Quinn, blame him or Kyle for the Super Bowl, the Giants OC. Listen, if you're a Colts fan right now, the simple thought of a coach that interviewed here that has taken a team to a Super Bowl in the most embarrassing four-win, one-stankin'-tie season of 2022. You should celebrate that. Celebrate it. 
I'll celebrate it for you. You look at this past season, and I'm just going from an angle of what I think personality-wise this team needs. Now, people will tell you that Frank was way too soft. Jeff Saturday, I'm sure, will tell you that. Maybe he will one of these days. Maybe he will when he becomes the next head coach. But I just think that is the type of personality that they need. The fact that he's a a defensive guy, I don't care. You can get one of these eggheads at OC that's got the analytics popping around on their head and put them on the case. Let them go after the new long-term quarterback solution. But that's just what I like, I guess, Brian. JMV, would you give Lamar Jackson a sniff, or does this quarterback situation have to be fulfilled in the draft? You fulfill this with your quarterback selection in the draft. No more of this. Want to band-aid this up, band-aid that up. No more. Hard target. What you like in this draft at quarterback and roll with it. This seems really simple to me, I guess. I know what you're talking about, Lamar Jackson, but still. Draft a quarterback. Thank you, John. I hope everything is going okay. Meantime, Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline. By the way, your decisions coming in here, would you take Jeff Saturday or the field as the next head coach here? If you were a betting person, which I'm assuming most of you out there are, Jeff Saturday or the field? At JMV 1070 would also work out right for you, too. Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline, Basketball News. It's our good friend Evan Sidery joins us here. Evan, how you doing? Doing great, John. How you doing? All right, so who's going to get traded? Who's going to get traded? But you know what? Before we start there, I'm going to go ahead and let you lay all that out in your thoughts. But in terms of, of Miles, and obviously for Miles on the team, it was not a good night. Miles got a little bit loose on the bench because he didn't get the ball. I like that. Don't get me wrong. I like that. That is certainly new to the persona, new to the personality for Miles. But if, if you were looking at the numbers you would expect Miles to get in an extension, if that's the direction that Kevin Pritchett and company here end up going, what would be the numbers, and would it be anywhere in the ballpark, for example, of that offer sheet that DeAndre Ayton signed out of Phoenix last summer? I believe there is a little loophole the Pacers could do if they did this before the extension deadline where they could offer him a huge lump sum up front add on to his salary this year. And then the next couple of years after that, they can give like 18 to $20 million per year and come out probably close to that, to be honest. And I believe Tony East of, of Forbes has covered this as well. But that little loophole in the contract, I think they have until March 1st or the end of February to do that. That could be a good way of doing that as far as allocating the money in that way to save some money long term. But as far as value goes, Turner's shown throughout this season, John, that he's a consistent 18 point, eight, nine rebounds, three, two or three blocks a game, a, a good three point shooter, meshing well with Tyrese Halliburton. I think with his age, too, he's got to command a lot of money on the open market pace to let him get to that. And that's the big question to me is if he does, if they do let him get to the open market, how are they going to win against other teams in bigger markets that have maybe a 
closer chance competing and believe that Miles is that last piece of the puzzle there. Because there's going to be a lot of teams this year in a weaker free agency class that Miles is going to be getting a lot of attention. Evan Sidery, basketball news on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. And this also has to do with what Miles may end up wanting to. I mean, maybe he wants to get to free agency. Maybe there's really not anything uh, within the bounds of reality here, I guess, from a Pacer standpoint that would keep him from wanting to jump out there and make himself, you know, one of the targets on this open free agent market, I guess, coming up here in the offseason. I mean, it also does come down to that decision-wise, too. Absolutely. I think it's all just about what Miles wants to do because in Indiana, if he does stay here, he's a – a firm core piece next to Tyrese Halliburton, next to Benedict Matherin. He's that new veteran leader in the locker room. He's done well in that role throughout this season and done great next to that young core. But I could easily see Miles going to like a Dallas, for example, or a Los Angeles and really thriving there. And that's the big question to me, John, is if Miles says no to an extension, we have to trade that line. I I think you have to deal him. I know it's a tough total swallow there, but I just think the risk of him walking for nothing at free agency for a team like Indiana, you simply can't roll the dice there and hope for the best. It's uh, Evan Sidery again of Basketball News via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. We've also brought up Buddy Heald. What's the market look like for Buddy Heald? I don't think he's going anywhere, nor do I believe he should go anywhere. But let's just say for S's and G's here that there is some interest. What does the return on a guy like Buddy Heald and the numbers he's put up and what he's looked like this season, what does that return look like to you? Yeah, similar to Miles, Buddy's definitely improved his trade value around the league this year, and I could easily see a contending team that thinks they're close giving up a late first-round pick in this year's draft or a future first-round pick for Buddy Heald. Like, shooting is not going to age. We've seen it before. Guys can play to their mid-30s at the level that Buddy Heald is and still shoot 40-plus percent from three. So I think it's a unique situation that Buddy Heald is in right now. He's a great veteran role leader for the Pacers, but Pacers could also capitalize on his best value right now. Who knows if this continues for his hot streak with Buddy Heald over the next year or so. So this could be the prime time to deal in. But like you mentioned, John, he's fit so well next to Tyrese Halliburton. He's fitting really well next to Benedict Mather and the rest of his core. And it's an interesting question I never thought about leading into the last couple months. But with the way that Chris Duarte is playing post-injury, I do wonder if maybe he's the odd man out leading up to the deadline instead of Buddy Hield. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of working parts right now. And I think that it, it, it probably... Uh, for lack of a better description here, the water's a little bit more polluted right now considering the injury to Halliburton and what we thought. I, I think we've kind of been back and forth on this a couple of times. Certainly, you didn't feel when they started winning, got five games above 500, that they were going to go with a similar blueprint as what they might have at the start of the year. But you know, given this losing skid that certainly could maintain coming up Friday and Saturday night as well, as long as Halliburton's out of the lineup, Do you think that they rethink their rethink if they have done that as far as the blueprint and the approach that they take to the trade deadline? I think you have to still be fluid in the situation right now because if Halliburton does return within the next, let's say, seven to ten days, you make a little bit of a run the next couple weeks and stay at the 500 level. Maybe you do convince yourself you make a a win-now type of move or a long-term move for a power forward of the future to pair next to Miles and and Tyrese and the rest of the guys. But if Halliburton remains out, if Miles Turner doesn't sign that extension, I think you have to do a little bit of a reset here. And we look at the schedule coming up, John. It is a murderer's row for the Pacers, especially if there's no Tyrese Halliburton. Just real quick, I'm going to go through the games here. Denver, Phoenix, Chicago, Orlando, Milwaukee, Memphis, Lakers, Sacramento, Cleveland, Miami, and Phoenix. 
maybe one or two wins in that stretch, John. I got to, that's a tough one to go through, especially without Tyrese Halliburton. And I think these next couple of weeks will kind of decide what Indiana does here at Pivots. Trade deadline wise, what are you looking at? I mean, names, places, what do you got for us about three weeks clear here? Yeah, I think everyone's circling around the bad teams right now, which is Charlotte, Houston. Maybe you see some surprise names like John Collins in Atlanta has been in rumors forever now, but maybe like an Eric Gordon in Houston. He's been rumored out there a lot in league circles as a guy that Houston could trade finally, and he's been wanting out the last couple of years. I think also Kelly Oubre in Charlotte, maybe Terry Rozier and Gordon Hayward as well. The Hornets are the worst team in the NBA right now. They're tanking for the Wembenyama sweepstakes, so I could easily see them kind of replugging all those holes there and kind of just resetting from future around the mellow ball and their top draft pick this year. But it, it seems very quiet this year at the deadline, John, because of the Rudy Gobert trade, because of the other trades this past year with DeJounte Murray using an awful lot of draft picks. Teams are holding on to that value now. I think they can get that now, and that's simply not the case. So it, it's kind of just course-corrected the value in the NBA with how big those deals were and what teams expect now. Because, for example, OG Ananobi in Toronto or Pascal Siakam, the Raptors want two to three or four first-round picks for those guys. Like The market now is so pick-heavy with these trades in the past that it might be tough for teams to make deals right now. All right, Evan, is there a team, or teams in this case, plural, that absolutely have to make a deal, have to, going into the trade deadline? That's a really good question. I, I think a couple teams stand out to me, and, and one, surprisingly, is in Phoenix, uh, where I used to be at. And the Suns right now, they've been going through an awful stretch with injuries. Cam Johnson will be back in lineup tonight, as will Chris Paul. But they're under 500. They're currently in the lottery. And that DeAndre Ayton contract we talked about all throughout the summer, John, he's not looking great at all in that new deal. He could be someone that could be traded uh, his deadline uh, around the deadline or in the offseason. So I think Phoenix is a team that needs to reset a little bit, as does Atlanta. I think Philadelphia is also a win-now team. Joel Embiid, the way he's playing, I think you got to make a win-now move with him and James Harden. So these teams on the on the margins here, as far as championship contenders or teams that are selling, those are the teams you got to watch out for to make potential deals together. How's uh, Aiton looked to you? I know you're no longer in Phoenix, but how has he looked to you You know, after getting, I guess, that shot of motivation of that return to Phoenix after signing that offer sheet here? Uh, we know, and I don't know how much of that had to do with uh, you know, Miles, and I think it's more Halliburton than it is you know, being in a contract year, or, you know, having signed his, I guess, replacement to an offer sheet in the summer, but how has that affected Aiton and his play so far this year? Yeah, watching and talking to people within the organization, it's been kind of a, an awkward little dance right now between Aiton and the Suns because the, the relationship between Aiton and Monty Williams, we saw that spat in the postseason last year. They're still getting back on good terms. It's been kind of awkward here and there between those two. Obviously, the injuries have played a part in Aiton's role. And, but the unfortunate part here, John, with what I think it was kind of a smart idea for the Pacers looking back on now to force the Suns to match because – now, with the way that Aiton's playing, he has regressed this year. He's stagnated. He's been the same guy the last two and a half years, which is why I was kind of hesitant to put him back in Phoenix long-term because I don't think he's a good fit there with Booker and Chris Paul trying to win right now. And now they're in a situation paying him 30 to $35 million a year in the next four or five years that that contract's not been good right now. And you have to consider the what you can do with that. And I think Aiton and the Suns are, are just in a really awkward spot right now. All right, you look at the rookies, and obviously one here in Benedict Matherin playing at a high level. I mean, going through some rookie bumps, don't get me wrong, but certainly consistently at a high level. Where's he ranking right now as far as the rest of the rookies in the NBA from what you've seen? I would definitely put him in the top two for sure. I think it's been him and Paolo Bancaro all year long. I think Paolo's a 
pretty much a shoe in for rookie of the year just because the numbers he's putting up. I know what Matherin's doing is even more impressive, in my opinion, come off the bench throughout most of the season. But when I saw Matherin up close throughout this offseason and throughout preseason and the regular season at Gamebridge Fieldhouse this year, he just looks the part. Uh, he is a guy with a mentality that he knows this is it's my time to shine. This is my team. He just presents himself with an extreme confidence that you need to be a franchise level player. And that's what stood out to me immediately was his confidence, his aggressiveness on the offensive end. He just fits right away in the NBA and he's looked incredible in some stretches. Obviously he's going through a rookie wall a little bit here and there and being inconsistent, but long-term, I mean, the early indications are that Matherin and Halliburton, it's going to be hard the next two or three years, John, to find a better long-term backcourt duo in the Eastern Conference when the rest of these teams start to age out a little bit. All right, Evan Sider, what's been going on with basketball news? I'm assuming this is one of your fun times of year when you get near the NBA trade deadline. You got a lot of stuff working? Oh, absolutely, yeah. We have a lot of coverage over on BasketballNews.com covering all the NBA trade rumors. We'll keep you guys up to date on that as well. I'm excited, though, because this is the time of year where we're going to be seeing a lot of rumors, a lot of transactions. I do wonder how Indiana is going to be in that front, so it'll be fun to watch. I appreciate you, man. Good to have you back on because whenever you're on, we know we're talking about trades or free agency or something like that, so it's always very entertaining and enjoyable. I appreciate you, man. Absolutely, John. Anytime. Really, think. thanks a lot. You got it. Evan Sidery right there. Uh, basketball news. He became a staple over the summer because he was actually in Phoenix covering the Suns and also were working for Basketball News, and then that Aiton thing popped, and we had him on often during the summer talking about that. Pacers lose and lose handily to Oklahoma City last night. Denver and Phoenix coming up on Friday and Saturday. As they say, you better buckle up. All right, at JMV1070 on Twitter, we've got my question out there right now. Everybody's working on it. If you were a betting person, and again, assuming you are, would you take Jeff Saturday or the field? And the reason why I bring that up is because Jeff Saturday got the official interview from Chris Ballard, Jim Ursay, and the Colts earlier today. The field or Saturday? From where you sit or stand or drive or whatever you're doing right now. What's your call? At JMV1070. We'll take your calls coming up on the other side. A little 4 o'clock hour action after 4 at 239-1070 as well. That's in front of Rafael Davis of the Big Ten Network, the former Boilermaker. Purdue, Minnesota, IU, Illinois coming up later on tonight as well. You were asking me outside of what I was watching, the Pacers and uh, the Oklahoma City debacle last night. Xavier and DePaul. DePaul, that win. Yeah, I know. I don't know what's going on with my fighting trees right now. Eddie, do we know what's going on with my sycamores of Indiana State? I do not, unfortunately. I had a tremendous sports arousal. But the sports arousal is not the same. Things look a little disjointed, especially with the sycamores at the end of games. Do they need a pep talk from me? That could be it. Man, they didn't like me over there back in the day. I had these parties all the time, and, like, the players would show up. What's not to like about that? Yeah. You're giving their players a good time. I was trying to think. uh, Let's see. Back in the day, I remember. I I brought this up before. Remember LaSalle Thompson? Obviously, you guys know LaSalle Thompson. LaSalle Thompson and Marcus Johnson made an appearance once they were from Pike High School made an appearance at one of my one of my gatherings 
And I watched Marcus Johnson did a keg stand. He was like six foot nine. He did one of the more tremendous keg stands I've ever seen. I don't think at the time when these guys showed up that as we referenced him back in the day, when Tater Tots Lock, the head coach of Indiana State, was really digging the fact those guys would show up. But that was really fun. Got to get this thing back on course here. Yeah, things don't look as sunshiny and bright in the Valley as it once did for my Sycamores and Josh Schertz in year number two. Bring that on the other side. Your call's on the other side, as I mentioned. A a wide open first in the 4 o'clock hour for you as well. Mike Chappell, Rafael Davis, and you just heard Evan Sidery of Basketball News. Podcast 107.5 The Fan. Stay right there. Back with you next. The Ride with JMV. JMV does not suck at all. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. No, you're damn right about that. Hey, last night the Twitter account was fantastic. I had a great time. You guys are great. <laughs> and today, in your honor, I wore this shirt and a shout to Rob Sabatini in Broad Ripple at Average Joe's, The Mine Shaft, and Rock Lobster. Rock Lobster celebrating 30 years of greatness. And uh, Rob and his three places in Broad Ripple, an absolute staple. Big time JMV Takeover sponsors every Saturday night. It was Rob Sabatini that got me rocking this shirt because this is my philosophy. This is my religion. Be nice until it's time not to be nice. It's a very easy philosophy or religion. And I wore it especially for you guys today. It was pretty funny last night. And really it had to be because the Pacer game was so terrible. And really it was terrible from the outset. Not set of that second quarter when they cut that lead down to three. And then immediately that thing got back up to nine and then into double digits before the half. You knew that they weren't going to have much of a chance. And Miles got a little bit a little bit rowdy in the bench area last night about not getting the ball. What did he have? Four shots last night? Yep. Was he three of four? Yeah, and his only miss was like it hit the front of the rim back and then fell off. So yeah. it could have easily gone in too. Yep. So good. See, that's another. That is another change in personality that you should dig when he ends up being extended here and a lot of you come crying to me and I laugh and I laugh and I laugh and I laugh. I can't wait to laugh. But last night was not a good night for the Pacers. All right, hour two straight ahead. If you're on hold, I'm going to get to you because I got a good 30 minutes or so with you coming up on the other side. Rafael Davis of the Big Ten Network talks about the action tonight, including both Purdue and IU, Minnesota and Illinois, respectively. Rafael Davis, bottom of the four. Chapel, Jeff Saturday, interviewed today. So my question is, would you take Jeff Saturday or the field right now for the next head coach of the Colts? We'll get to that, Mike Chapel in the 5 o'clock hour as well. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. She returned fast times, paused at 53 minutes, 5 seconds. Do you know who pauses fast times at 53 minutes, 5 seconds? People who like boobies, Ew, Robin. Gross. Boobies. Don't say boobies. Not a big deal, okay? I like boobies. You like boobies. Vicky likes boobies. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. 
All right, that is from Stranger Things right there. I've not seen one second. Well, take that back. I think I saw the end of this past year when they had the uh, Metallica song playing in the background, but I have not seen anything more than that. You believe it? Everybody says that is in my wheelhouse and I've not seen an episode of it. My daughter loves it. Stranger Things. Eddie Garrison in studio with us. I'm John. Thank you for joining us. Hour two. I want to get your calls coming up here in just a second. So we have what number of interviewee coming in? 14. 14 now for the Colts. And the latest, Eddie, is the OC of the Bengals. Brian Callahan. Yes, sir. You're a big Bengals guy. Are you in love with Brian Callahan? I like the work he's done with Joe Burrow. That's why I'm a big Shane Steichen guy with the, from the Eagles, too, because of his work with... Jalen Hurts over the last year and a half and the progression that Hurts has made through the first three years of his NFL career. That's why I'm a big Steichen guy. Um, I think Brian Callahan can do the same thing with ever Colts quarterback they decide to go with in the draft. Is he an analytics egghead? I don't think so. Oh, cool. I don't think either of those two guys are big analytics guys. Are they big having a lot of weapons on their team to... Be I would able to coach so. him up well, guys. I would assume so. <laughs> <laughs> are they are they having surrounding talent offensively, guys? So, Brian Callahan, fourteenth. Jeff Saturday earlier today. My question on Twitter: Would you take the field or Jeff Saturday as the next head coach at the Colts? Did you see that Bowen responded to me with <laughs> the "What you talking about, Willis?" Is it a meme or a gif or a gif or whatever? I don't know. I had to shout him out for breaking the studio microphone. This is why if you watch on YouTube Live, which is great, and you need to right now because you can watch, you can listen and participate. I'm all over, all over the studio here on the mic, uh, stretched in the middle, doing this. Got a lot going on in front of me right here. And all because of Kevin Bowen of the morning show, Kevin Inquiry allegedly broke the microphone. Allegedly broke the microphone. It's from Phil. Hey, JMV, I want the field, but my gut is telling me that it's Saturday. Saturday or the field. And again, the 14th being Brian Callahan. Hey, JMV, I think we should just prepare to be completely underwhelmed by the coaching hire. What do you think? People going to be underwhelmed by the coaching hire? Because you're just really underwhelmed with this organization in general right now. now. That's why the whole Harbaugh thing felt so perfect, because that was something that was not going to be underwhelming, regardless. It was going to strike a chord. If you were for or against. Otherwise, you just may end up going, yeah, okay, we'll see. Kind of where this organization is right now until they prove that they can consistently win again. Until they prove that they can live up to expectations again. And I guess I should add in their consistent expectations again. JMV, I heard you say you watched Xavier and DePaul last night. Who was the guy that you've talked about before from your hometown that attended DePaul? He, that's Jeff Allen, by the way. Thank you, Rick. Jeff Allen, who right now is the girls' head coach down at Bedford North Lawrence and does a spectacular job. 
Jeff Allen graduated from Eastern, now Eastern Green, then Eastern High School, but Eastern Green now back in 1979. Spent two years, I believe, at Vincennes playing the JUCO ranks. I believe Dan Sparks was down there then. I could be wrong about that. Maybe it was later. But I thought he played for Dan Sparks. And then went on. He did not play, I don't think, for Ray Meyer. I think he played for Joey Meyer, Ray's son. But he had some pretty good talent, and that's when DePaul, it was at the end, if you will, of their heyday, kind of the end. I think Kenny Patterson was on that team. Tyrone Corbin, who had a lot of good years at Utah, was on that team. I can't remember if Terry Cummings was or not. I know Aguirre wasn't. And then obviously you get, they still were good, but not as... They're in the 79 Final Four, for example. They kind of crapped the bed in 81, if you remember. They were supposed to end up in Bloomington as a part of that regional, the Mideast Regional, where back in the day they played them on site. That would have been an assembly hall in Bloomington, but they got upset prior to that. But Jeff Allen, who's done a fantastic job as the girls' head coach down at Bedford North Lawrence. That's, Rick, who you're thinking of. All right, 239-1070. Let me stretch here and give you Steve. Steve, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, Steve, are you there? Yeah, JMB. How you doing? I'm great. Go ahead. Hey, uh, I would I would uh, go with Demarco Ryan. Give him a shot. He's he's got a little fire in him. He's an up and coming coach, and I think it'd be good for the organization. So you want to go with the guy that hasn't done it? Demarco Ryan's the former linebacker, the defensive coordinator of San Francisco. If we're talking about a young yet to do anything at the coaching level, and considering what he has been, and listen, I can poke holes into anything. As good a job as he can do in San Francisco, there's no question about it. And people are going to say, "Well, I mean, if you have these type of players, then they would be absolutely right." But most of these guys are going to come. That's why I brought up, you know, Brian Callahan, the OC with the Bengals. The 14th to either interview or to be asked to interview for the Colts gig. Now, good offensive coordinator, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins. That's a pretty good group offensively to start with that clearly early on around here you're not going to have hey jmv here's the answer to your question i believe that saturday already has the job i think ursa is just going through the motions you think all of this is just to make sure that you satisfy all the protocols and you've had who you've wanted the entire time Jim McCann in Southern California says, shout out for the Black Crows re-entry. It made my day. <laughs> Appreciate that. All right. Dennis up next at 239-1070. Dennis, welcome to the show. Thank you, JMV. Real quick, I was listening to your open monologue about the Colts. I'm yeah. laughing by you know what off because you're absolutely right. And then that last email you just read, it's extremely possible. He's already hired. He's just waiting this out. 
You think he's? You think that Jim Irsay has made that decision long before, and they're just going through the protocols to make sure they meet all the measures and the NFL standards of the hiring process right now? That's what you believe? JMV, our owner, is that crazy? And don't be surprised if we got Baker Mayfield as our starting QB next year, too. Dennis, come on now. Come on now. <laughs> but uh, real quick, my, my call was about the Pacers. Yep. We've been losing to some good teams, but here's the thing. We've been losing to some teams that we are trying to get to. They are on a tier that we are trying to reach right now. And I'll give a prime example. Milwaukee, without one of their best players, arguably the best player in the league, we had that game for the majority of it, but they were able to still chip away, come with it decisively with about a 10-point gap at the end. That is what we, as an organization, as a team, are trying to get to. When your best player is out, like a Tyrese Halliburton or a Miles Turner or a Matherin in the future, we want our team to be able to do what Milwaukee did to us. And it's a process, and we're going to get there. And I trust in that. And I'll uh, let you go. You have a great day. You got it. Thank you, Dennis. I put it this way regarding the Pacers. You have to still expect stuff like this to happen, especially when they don't have all their pieces, and especially when one of the injured pieces is the most important. This is going to happen. This may have happened had they been at full strength. They're going to be lumps into this. To me, it doesn't immediately sound the alarm of, oh, you know, you got to get back to that philosophy you had at the start of the season. These parts work. Collectively, these parts work. You just need to add more to it. It may not show entirely this year. Nobody expects it to. And I know nights like last night are a bummer. You get down 17 to 1. And everybody gets stinking benched. And I know that that was tough to watch. But you can still follow the plan. But it's okay to evolve in year number one. But you have to really understand what's going on. And last night, again, logically was going to happen and probably would have still happened. Maybe not at that level but probably still would have happened with Halliburton there. Oklahoma City can score, and the Pacers at times still can't guard you, and you suck. I know you, and you do. I've seen it. I've seen you in your jean shorts at the YMCA trying to play, and it's not good. So last night is not surprising, and just again, I'm going to prepare you. It's probably going to get ugly tomorrow night in Denver. And you talk about it being tough. You go the the back-to-back route in Phoenix the night after. It is probably not going to get, get better before it gets worse. For Sundance, JMV, I think the more candidates they interview, the more likely this job is Jeff Saturday's, unfortunately. And for no other reason than to say we vetted the best coaches, the best candidates, and Jeff is still our guy. I know that there has not been any 
complete, concrete Chris Ballard saying, in no way, shape, or form do I want Jeff Saturday. But clearly, right, he didn't. You imagine running through all this, you go back to Jeff Saturday. And you stay with Chris Ballard, who clearly doesn't want to make this higher. Doesn't that make you dysfunctional there? Do you look dysfunctional? I guess you look dysfunctional if you continue to lose and you don't see any hope like this past year. But let's just face it, this thing is all over the map. There's a lot of people suggesting that it is not the field, that it is Jeff Saturday. Hey, JMV, how many of the 14 have interviewed elsewhere? I think the Colts will wait until all of the other head coaches are hired, and then you get either Saturday or whoever is left. A lot of these guys are interviewing elsewhere, certainly. I don't know if it's going to be that... That quite uh, the protocol. Hey, JMV, I really want the Colts to hire that coordinator that I've never seen coach and I've never really heard or even knew existed until a week ago. Let's go get him. <laughs> Let's go get him. That's certainly the case. That's the case for ba- basically everybody out there. But we shall see. Hey, JMV, do you think it's possible the search was bookended by Harbaugh and Saturday? Did Ursay interview Harbaugh at the Big Ten Championship without Ballard? Now, don't try to give me this sports arousal here because I've gone ahead and just moved on from it. Yeah, bookend-wise, I it just that that is something that I have to believe is this way. I have to believe that they just knew that Jim Harbaugh had absolutely no interest in coming here. That's what you have to know. That's the only reason why you didn't hear anything about it. Because that is that is way too easy. They have had to have known that Jim Harbaugh had zero interest in coaching here whether it's because of Chris Ballard or because of how whack this place has been, where it is right now, the opportunity to win, turn things around quickly, has to be something. You don't hear anything from that standpoint until you hear from the president of Michigan saying, yeah, he's coming back, even though you really haven't legitimately and concretely heard from Harbaugh, but that's what you heard from the president. It has to be that. It has to be that they know that Jim Harbaugh has zero interest. You have to. You can I brought this up yesterday because Rick Venturi brings it up all the time. Malpractice. That's malpractice. If there is zero consideration from this side of things, malpractice. And I don't even care if that's my opinion. That should be the prevailing thought for everybody, not just my opinion. That should be easy. Uh, Jeremy's at 239-1070. Hello, Jeremy. Hey. Um, 
Yeah, I was just thinking that uh, I think maybe this him just taking his time is legitimate just because, you know, you've seen, you know, the hot offensive coordinator like Nathaniel Hackett go after one year. You know, last year's hot commodity, Byron Leftwich, gone out of Tampa Bay after one year. So, you know, maybe just after the embarrassment of the season, he's taking his extra time making sure everything's done to make the right choice because you don't want to you don't want an Nathaniel Hackett where you screw up after one year and have to let him go. See, I, I've mentioned this too. At some point, Jeremy, like one or two of these guys in this whole hiring cycle, these young guys that we don't know a great deal about, will probably turn into something. And then I'll have to right. own the fact and regret the fact that I did not consider them wholly here. But I just, to me, this team, from what you know, it's different from being here than if you're on the national level and you just kind of swoop in and go, oh, well, look what they did here or look what they did there. This team, I think, needs something different than just kind of the the flavor of the hiring cycle coordinator. I just think they need somebody with a little bit of something behind them, a little bit of something credential-wise, resume-wise behind them. I think this group needs that to get the attention of a team that clearly did not give a lot of it this past season, regardless the way that it looked. Yeah, we need the fiery uh, the fiery type of temper, the salty, as you were talking about yesterday, like the Dan Quinn you know, type, those sort of breathe some fire into this team. Yeah, well, I just I I want somebody. I would really, to me, and thank you for the call too, Jeremy. Want somebody with experience and the experience of like being and coaching in a big game. That's why when I brought up Dan Quinn, I don't care what happened in the Super Bowl. And let's face it: if the Colts were going to the Super Bowl this year and that happened, it would still be a hell of a lot better than the the season that we just witnessed. Where we are right now with this team in mind, what you believe this team is. I just have to think that with the whole Harbaugh thing, he just basically said, yeah, I'm not interested there. Because there should have been a mountain of interest from this side. I think we all realize that. The field or Saturday at JMV 1070 on Twitter. Kevin's up next. Hello, Kevin. How you doing, Jay? Kevin, I'm great. Go ahead. Uh, so I'm just wondering how I'm listening to you talk about how the interview process is going and how does this put any kind of positive outlook in anybody? We're going into next season with the same personnel, the same GM, possibly the same coach or some coaches that have zero experience with a team that already chokes the games down in the fourth quarter. How does that make anybody feel any better about this situation that we're in. Uh, you know what, Kevin? It's funny you bring that up because there, there is a, a lot of similarities to how last year ended. Remember we talked about exactly. how, how nothing nothing was going to be good. There were going to be moments when you got excited about something here or there. But we can't no- beat a team that wants to well, lose. Well, and nothing nothing's going to be good until it is proven that way on the field. So, you know, you're going to to have your opinion regarding who's going to be the coach. You're going to have your opinion regarding who's going to be drafted at quarterback. But you're you're not going to change your opinion on who you believe this team, this organization is right now until they prove it to you on the field. And that's not possible until next year. So, no, it, it is very similar to how the season ended and how you were with this team at the end of last year. 100%. How does this put butts in the seats? How do they sell tickets? I mean, this town's already the way it is, fair weather. I mean, if you lose, 
I mean, no one's buying tickets. Well, they haven't given you a, a great deal of reason to have faith. Decision-making-wise, playing-wise, and that's a tough spot to be in. 100%. Got you. Kevin, thank you for the call. Quick break, and we'll come back. If you're on hold, I'll get to you. Mike Chappell, 5 o'clock hour. So, yeah, Jeff Saturday interview today. Hence my question at JMV 1070, the field or Jeff Saturday as the new head coach of the Colts. And uh, added to the field, Brian Callahan, the offensive coordinator today of the Bengals. Meantime, other side, big night of college basketball. You've got Purdue on the road at Minnesota, IU on the road at Illinois for the Big Ten Network. Rafael Davis, the former Boilermaker, set to join us next. The Ride with JMV. One, is this or is this not the XFL? Yes, it is. Two, do I or do I not currently have a pulse? Yes, I do. Let's play football. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Mike Chappell coming up at the 5 o'clock hour. Jeff Saturday. Interviewed today by the Colts. Brian Callahan, the offensive coordinator of the Bengals. Makes it now 14 in all for the Colts in. 14, the field or Jeff Saturday? Colts fans at JMV 1070. I have insidery basketball news. Trade deadline, I guess, three weeks away or whatever. Kind of approaching. But where the Pacers are in that, Miles Turner, Buddy Heald, uh, the interest level. Uh, Pacers obviously blown out last night on the road at Oklahoma City. A tough back-to-back. Denver and Phoenix coming up tomorrow night. And Saturday night for the Pacers without still Tyrese Halliburton. As you could tell last night, you could tell so far without him being a part of this. Meantime, college hoop later on tonight. It's a big one. couple of road tests for both IU, IU and Illinois. And the Boilermakers, the third-ranked Boilermakers on the road in Minnesota. And joining us to talk about that from the Big Ten Network, the former Boilermaker, Rafael Davis, is with us. I want to start right here. Uh, I talked to Matt Painter earlier this week, and this is what stands out to me about this Boilermaker team is it's one thing to get Big Ten road wins, and as you would know, that is incredibly difficult. But to get that done in the process of winning those games in one possession games, that doubles down, I think, on the toughness and really credit where credit is due on the Boilermakers being able to do that so far. Right. No, they've been impressive, and Coach always told us the good teams, they win the close ones, and that's what Purdue's been able to do, have poise down the stretch and Coach would always say, when you go on the road, Purdue can't beat Purdue. Purdue can't go on the road and have 15, 17 turnovers. They can't get out-rebounded by 10. Just can't make silly mistakes. And Purdue hasn't beat Purdue in these last few games. Even the Rutgers game where they lost, Purdue didn't beat Purdue. Cam Spencer just made a great shot. So the poise this team has down the stretch, that's been what's impressive to me. And that's what we've seen. Rafael Davis of the Big Ten Network, the former Boilers on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. And from, obviously, Edie, who right now is the front runner for college basketball's player of the year, and then Fletcher Lawyer, from a freshman standpoint, it it seems like that you feel pretty confident with either end of the spectrum here on this roster of getting the job done in late-game situations. Yeah, Fletcher's been big time. And I've been – Really impressed with Fletcher. I mean, I knew he was a good player. Knew he had a, some dog in him and the moxie just for him being from Fort Wayne and seeing him in high school and whatnot. But what's been most impressive to me over these last few weeks is that normally around this time, Christmas, Christmas break, coming back into January, 
freshman hit a wall. And um, Fletcher didn't start out shooting the ball great this season, but he's really picked it up and hasn't hit that wall. And the last three, four games, in the second half of those games, he's been big time. Whether it's just him picking up fouls in the first half or just him simply not playing well, he's been able to go to the go to the locker room at halftime, regroup, refocus, and really come out in the second half and ball out. He's full figures in the second half each of the last four games. Shot it at a very high level from three. I mean that he the Rutgers game. He hit the go-ahead three that you thought would win the game. They came with Spencer Knox one down. He wins the game at Ohio State. And then at Michigan State, he was just unbelievable. I mean, the final four minutes and 15 seconds, Fletcher Lawyer accounted for 14 straight points, whether it was him assisting on it, getting the ball where it needed to go for a bucket, or him just simply scoring the ball. And then Coach put Fletcher into action to win the game on the road, tough environment. Fletcher got the ball five feet out. I mean, Coach preaches, you don't post feed from 35 feet out. You don't post feed from above the free throw line. And uh, Fletcher made just an amazing, amazing basketball play uh, as to the rim for, the, for uh, Purdue to able to win that game. So, I mean, Fletcher's been, uh, he's been unbelievable. But the poise and the confidence and the ability to regroup in-game isn't big time. A lot of freshmen, they struggle in a game, and they got to regroup in practice. Not a lot of freshmen can regroup in the game. That's some upperclassman stuff right there. You know what, Ray felt too, on that final play for the Boilers, that game winner by Edie, and the 10 seconds, you had two freshmen in the backcourt. Yeah. Um, they, they were the ones orchestrating that. And the thing that stands out with both Smith and Lawyer to me, and I told Matt this on Tuesday, is that for freshmen, they forget about mistakes instantly. And, man, to me, that is so – and you could speak to this as a former player. That would seem to be so difficult to do. It seems like mistakes would hang on, especially if you expect so much out of yourself coming off a, a decorated high school career where things came much easier. And things like mistakes would hang with you, but it does not appear it does with these two. No, yeah, I mean, they, they have confidence and coach. He's, I mean, he's giving them confidence. Uh, Coach is really good at letting his freshmen learn, letting his freshmen play, and that's what you see with these guys. They are able to, know, they're able to see a mistake and not make that same mistake twice as well. And that's also just a testament to them, a testament to coaching. And they, they have high basketball IQ. I mean, Braden's mother and father both play ball at the collegiate level. Uh, I mean. You got Fletcher's father as a scout, his brother. I mean, Foster is averaging 16, 17 points in his own regard for Davidson. So these guys, they they know what's going on. They know how to play. And then they got a great coaching staff and great leaders in front of them. I mean, you got not only you got Coach Painter, Coach Brantley, and assistants, but you got P.J. Thompson, who is probably one of the best point guards to ever play at Purdue, uh, the best assisted turnover ratio at Purdue in the history of the university. And he can really help Braden Smith. So they've got a big-time staff, but those freshmen, they're just big-time players. Rayfield Davis, former Boilermaker, Big Ten Network, with us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. IU and Illinois, I want to get to both sides of this game with you right now as well. That game coming up tonight, uh, 8.30, I believe, is the tip time from Champaign. Um, is it fair 
is it reality that IU and the slow start in the Big Ten at two and four, even with that Wisconsin win on Saturday, how much do you point to those two major injuries on this roster as to how slow this Hoosier team has started? I don't. I mean, I, I, I like Xavier Johnson as a as a person off the floor. He's a great kid. Ray Thompson, the same. Great dudes. And I, and I like those guys. So I don't want this to come off the wrong way, but, I mean, they were struggling even when those guys were in the lineup. I mean, you think about the Arizona game, the Kansas game, those guys played. I mean, and they got – I mean, they got handled. And so I get they had some injuries, but that defense was bad before those guys went out. And they lost games before those guys went out. And I don't think they were – living to the expectation – well, not living, but playing on the floor to the expectations that Coach has set for them before those guys got injured. But when those guys do go down, I mean, it it really hurts your team. They're your leaders on the floor. They're your main defensive guys. I mean, they're your tough – that's your toughness of your team and those two guys. So, at this point, it's really, really hurt the team. And you just wish the best and wish that you get healthy, but – I think the wheels were starting to fall off the car a little bit before those guys went down. Those guys going down just really didn't help it out. Ray Fell with Indiana, too. They get that big win over Wisconsin. And and to me, the difference was the way they started. Brian Evans was on with me, the former Hoosier Big Ten player of the year back in the 90s, said, hey, first five minutes of either half is certainly important for any team, but especially this IU team. And you saw them come out against Wisconsin, and the soft aspect of what we saw in losses prior to at home against Northwestern, second half against Iowa, certainly on the road at Penn State, was on the defensive end. And they came out with a little bit of defensive inspiration. Is that Capable of carrying over tonight? Is that what you expect to see in Champaign? I mean, well, I want to. I, I don't want to rain on anybody's parade, but the point that the point it can be left out that Tyler Wall didn't play in that basketball game, and Wisconsin. I mean, you, they just kind of ran out of juice, and IU did defend well, but I mean, TJD was spirited. But I mean, above their defense, it was the they played with a sense of urgency, and that's what the Indiana team. I mean, sometimes. It felt as though they were just going out there, roll the ball out, expect to win the game, and they didn't always have that sense of urgency and that attention to detail. And sometimes they just simply went away from TJD, and you can't go away from your best player. And there were games early in this season where TJD may have eight shot attempts or go 15 minutes without shooting the basketball, and that's just—I don't think that's just sustainable for this team. And in that second half of the Wisconsin game. He gets 14 of his 18 points. I mean, he he gets, he goes seven to seven from the field. In that first half, he only had four points, and I think that's why it was a close game. So you see, in that second half, he really became spirited offensively, took the game over in that regard. Like I said, 14 of his 18 came in a half, seven to seven from the field, and then for the game, you look at his stat line: 12 rebounds, big time, five blocks, four assists. He just had one of those nights that he's going to have to have every night. So I hope their defense can carry. I mean, Indiana right now, they're they're one of the worst teams that guarded the three-point line in the Big Ten. They're 13th out of 14 teams at a defensive uh, field goal percentage guarding the three-point line. And Illinois is second in three-pointers made in the Big Ten. So I think it's going to come down to guarding the three-point line. They did guard it well against Wisconsin. Wisconsin was 5 for 24, I believe. But in those three games prior, 
those three games prior with that Penn State, the, the Northwestern game, and the other one in there, Iowa game, they allowed teams to shoot 40% from three, and they gave up 32 made threes, 33 made threes, and that right there isn't sustainable. So if they can throw up that three-point defense and they can get TJD going for 40 minutes and he has one of those nights, that's the type of team that I think can really win the Big Ten still. Rafael Davis of the Big Ten Network with us. It's a busy night across the Big Ten landscape. Uh, we'll get to a couple more of those games in a second, but who's who's the most disappointing in the Big Ten so far, according to you? I mean, I guess you just got to start with the elephant in the room, man. You just got to call a spade a spade. And although they have injuries right now to this point in the season, I mean, it's a high major basketball team. And when guys go down, other guys step up. We've seen time, I mean, you've seen time after time. I mean, Brandon Newman gets an injury and Jay Nivey steps up and Jay Nivey is off to the races. And it just, I mean, that's college basketball. Guys step up when guys go down and, no one stepped up yet for this Indiana team. I think Jordan Geronimo had a great game against Wisconsin. He had a double-double. I think he needed that game for his own confidence, but the team needed that game from him. And he could be a really good player, in my opinion. So I think Indiana would be the most disappointing team. And it's not because of the injuries. I think it's just the lack of the lack, the lack of coolness, the playing without a sense of urgency. Uh, the defense, I thought the defense would be a lot better this season. And then, I mean, they were picked to be a Final Four contender. They're picked to be a Final Four team. I think they're 10th in the Big Ten right now. And, that, I mean, just numbers-wise, that has to be the most disappointing. Number 23, Rutgers on the road at the Breslin Center in Michigan State coming up later on tonight. And, and, and your former coach had mentioned, you know, about that loss to Rutgers earlier in the Big Ten season, earlier in the month of January, I think it was, that, hey, if we were going to war, then we would stop and pick these guys up. What makes Steve Peichel's team so grinding tough, especially in big moments at the end of games? Say that again. What makes Steve Peichel's team so grinding tough, especially at big moments late in games? They got older guys. They're one of the oldest teams in college basketball. I mean, Paul Mulcahy's a veteran point guard. He knows Coach Peichel's system. He knows where the ball is supposed to go. He's unselfish, so he can get into the lane and make a play to kick out to Mawad Mag. And that's just a lot of trust in Paul Mulcahy, trusting his teammates. Because Mawad Mag was 5 for 24 coming into that game from three. And Paul McKay, he kicked the ball out to him like he was a 40% three-point shooter. So they got older guys, and then on the defensive end, they just shut your water off. Ohio State finished the game four for 16 from the field. And Ohio State, a couple weeks ago, was the best offensive team in the country. So they know how to shut your water off. They defend at a high level, and then they execute offensively. And they have shooter and Cam Spencer that's not afraid of the moment. All right, when you back on the Big Ten Network, Rafael? I am back on it tomorrow morning and tomorrow night. All right. So, yeah, for the, the Friday night, the Friday night Big Ten. You dig the Friday night Big Ten? Yeah, I mean, I, I dig. I dig any any night they um, invite me to be on. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then Friday night, Friday night will prepare me um, for Saturday. Saturday I have a free basketball camp in Indianapolis. So oh, really? I'm looking forward to the well, weekend. Wait, well, you get that little bit of love here for the folks around listening. Go ahead. Oh, no, I just um, – I – I founded a nonprofit foundation up in Fort Wayne, and uh, the goal of my organization is to give youth sports to kids. And youth sports, I don't want to take too much time, but 
youth sports, especially youth basketball, has just become ridiculously priced. AAU is expensive. Basketball trainers are expensive. Fall leagues, camps are 300 400 bucks in the summer for a week camp. And for me, it was about how can I, how can I affect change in my neighborhood? I mean, whether it be on the floor or rather it be keeping the kids out of trouble. So myself, I decided to start a nonprofit. Lewis Jackson, former Purdue point guard, is helping me out. And um, the goal of the nonprofit is to combat the cost of youth sports, but also to keep the kids in safe environments. And it's called Crew Life, C-R-E-W, and the crew stands for Community, Responsibility, Education, and Will. And um, we show the kids, obviously, we can show the kids that really love basketball and are good players. We can get them better in the summers. We host a camp every week of the summer, whether it be in Fort Wayne, Indianapolis, Gary, just around the state. So we have kids that are really good at basketball. They'll come and they'll work with us, and they will get better because we've played at higher levels, whatever. But more more importantly are those kids that they love the sport of basketball in fifth, sixth grade, but they're just not even – they're not going to make their high school team. They're not going to make varsity. They're going to phase out of being a player, maybe not athletic, maybe aren't tall enough. And we want those kids to still have a passion through the sport without having to be a player. There's so many kids that grow up. And they think, I got to go to the park and play basketball. I got to be on the AAU team and play basketball. And I got to be the player. And I think it's a mentality that you're tricking to have. And you never think about, you never, I never grew up thinking about being a Big Ten sports analyst. I never grew up thinking about being a, a, a physical therapist on the basketball team or even being in the marketing department for the New York Knicks. I mean, one of my college teammates, Drew Anthem, he walked on at Purdue. He now has an NBA championship ring with the Los Angeles Lakers as a video coordinator. And these are positions that I never thought of, my friends never thought of, and we weren't privy to. So for those kids where maybe basketball isn't in their 10, 15 year, in their year future, we show them other ways to stay in the sport of basketball and still be successful as a career. And that, I think, for those kids who maybe won't make the high school team and have to go home at 2.30 when school is out and their mom isn't home till 6 or 7, they don't go and get into nothing. They, they have a goal still in their head. They can still make it to the NBA without being a player on the floor. So we open them open the eyes to different careers in basketball, but then also, also we open their eyes to just different careers. And myself, I, was, I have that story of getting hurt, rupture a disc in my back, what does he do next? And I went into pharmaceutical sales. I worked for Eli Lilly in Georgia for four years. I was a pharmaceutical sales rep. And that was a position that I did not know about, like I said, until I was older. So we bring in different career professionals in to talk to our kids at camp and league play, whether it's a pharmaceutical salesman, a doctor, a, a plumber, an electrician, just to – because if you don't know it, you just don't know it. So we try to open the kids' eyes because there's so many kids out there now in different areas that really believe in their head that either I make a million dollars and I'm rich or I'm going to be poor and I'm going to be in the hood. And we try and show those kids if, if this it's better for us if we can show 10, 12 kids how to go and make $80,000, $100,000 in a career and really give that back than it is for us to have an NBA player every five, six years, if that makes sense. Yeah, so, well done. It's been a great, it's been a great time. We've, we've, um, Sponsored over a thousand kids, ten AAU programs, and 
Saturday we'll be at the Bethel Center in Indianapolis for a free basketball game. Awesome. Well, I tell you what, anytime you do that down here, don't hesitate to lob us a phone call here and uh, we'll give it a lot of love. A great deal oh, of admiration that. for that. That's the job well done out of you and, and give Lewis our best too, Rafael. Thank you very much and congratulations on everything. Oh, thank you, sir. It's uh, Rafael Davis of the Big Ten Network. That was awesome. Good for him. I've always known him to be a really good dude. That was even more solidified right there. Well done. Big Ten Network, Rafael Davis tomorrow morning and then coming up on Friday night as well. All right, you got IU Illinois tonight. Of course, downstairs WIBC, 7.30 pregame, 8.30 is that tip time. And then the Boilermakers are up in Minneapolis playing Minnesota. That's a 7 o'clock tip this evening for the third-ranked Boilers. Quick break, we'll come back. Jeff Saturday in as somebody the Colts interviewed today, the former I shouldn't say the former coach, the interim head coach. He is in, but make it for the offensive coordinator. The Bengals also with a conversation with the Colts, either now or upcoming as well. So 14 overall, Mike Chappell, top of the hour. And your question of the day brought to you by Connecticut Water is, do you get Jeff Saturday or the field? Which one, if you were a betting person, would you take? Jeff Saturday or the field? As the next Colts head coach, we'll chat about that with Mike Chappell, top of the hour. 93.5107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. It's called Sex Panther by Odeon. It's illegal in nine countries. It's quite pungent. It stings the nostrils. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Oh, there we are right here. Here I am. <laughs> Eeny, meeny, miny microphone. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live, if you guys are checking us out, you can see me stand for the first time right now. That engineer is doing work. Rafael Davis, the former Boilermaker and Big Ten Network analyst, was really good. I'll podcast that up, 1075thefan.com. Evan Sidery, basketball news a little bit earlier. And Mike Chappell, we're going to discuss a lot of things. And I did not see this Mike McCann had tweeted at me and said, hey, JMV, Zach Kiefer almost, almost went as far as to guarantee that Saturday, Jeff Saturday, won't get the gig on his podcast with, um, I'm going to make sure I get his name right here, James Boyd of The Athletic as well, who covers the Colts. There is no way... The field has this thing wrapped up, JMV. I didn't see that. So does that Kiefer say almost guaranteed that Saturday's not going to get the gig? I did not see that yet, so I'd have to check it out. Let's check it out. Uh, JMV, will you be broadcasting from the home show with the Larceny Bourbon Ice Luge? Well, let me tell you a little something about that. No, last year I got really pissed, to be honest with you. Because I go out there, we've done that for a number of years. The Ice Luge is an absolute hit at the Indianapolis Home Show. We go out there, do a live show inside the Connecticut Water booth. And I blank you not, after 30 minutes, uh, the nerds at the Home Show shut us down. 30 minutes. So I still, I'm a little bit sore about that. We had a line, and I know that's part of the reason, is because we had a line and others didn't, but we had a line down the aisle and it's just a good solid fun time 
So, no, unfortunately, we are not going. And I wouldn't even try after that. Last year, that really pissed me off last year. That was not good. Because I invite everybody out. We talk about this, promote it all week, and then all of a sudden, boom, there's nothing. And that that is, in this business, that is completely uncool. And you know me, I'm a grudge holder. So, yeah, unfortunately, we will not. But I'm sure that it is going to be a fantastic, it will be a fantastic time. You got to go out there and see it. I'm just suggesting I'm not going to be out there this year. But Jeremiah, they shut us down. And this is just me. You're still going to go out there with Connecticut and hang out and get great deals. You're going to get great deals with everybody else out there too. But that's what happened with me a year ago, and I'm still a little bit sore about that. But next week, we are going to go to an all-timer. Tavern Tour Stop, Larceny Bourbon, Luna Azul Tequila, Locks and Shots coming up next Friday. Again, I'll remind you where Mike Chappell joins us next. The Ride with JMV. I am in the parking lot right now hammering a bacon, egg, and chi, hold the chi in preparation to go deep with four hits and put on a laser show to the likes of which you have never witnessed in your entire life. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, welcome back. Eddie Garrison at the controls here. Thank you so much for joining us. Kevin Bowen of the morning show, Kevin and Query, broke the microphone here in the studio, so give him all kinds of crap tomorrow morning about that. But right now, this is the song that he would likely be listening to, and you want to know the reason why. What, if you remember correctly, happened during this song, and not Phoebe Cates coming out of the pool, what else was going on in this scene with this song in the background? If you remember, this song will be playing for Kevin Bowen, I'm assuming, tomorrow morning. Because Mike Bray is going to call it a career and retire after this Notre Dame basketball season. So this song in the background for Kevin Bowen tomorrow morning. And not because Phoebe Cates is coming out of the pool, maybe because of it. There it is right there. You know what I'm talking about? You know what he's doing? Everybody out there know it? You don't know what Kevin Bowen's doing? Nope. How should I put this? Self-pleasuration. There we go. I'm making up words. Tomorrow morning, 7 until 10 a.m. here on The Fan. Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline. Inside the lounge, by the way, via YouTube Live. Now, you guys are not going to get me all pissy regarding Miles Turner. I'm solidified in the fact that I know what is best here. And that he's going to be back, and I'm just going to laugh and laugh and laugh. And everybody, I can't wait. Back to you guys in a second. If you guys want to watch, participate, listen, inside the lounge via YouTube Live, you certainly can. The Ride with JMV. Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline from CBS 4 and Fox 59 every Thursday in the 5 o'clock hour. It is Mike Chappell. So, uh, we got 14 candidates apparently either interviewed or on the verge of being interviewed. If I were going to say Mike Chappell, betting person, would you take the field or would you take Jeff Saturday? <laughs> kind of like that Tiger Woods back in his heyday. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I tell you, all I'm going to say is. Oh, man. No, I no, no, no. I don't, I don't think. That's something they shouldn't do. I'm simply not ruling it out. So, so that's where I, I don't know what the odds are. 
but I just keep, keep in mind that this this will come down to one man's vote. After after input from other people, it will. But just just keep in mind who, who's making the decision and his affinity for, for Jeff Saturday. Now, I don't think they should do it. I, I just don't. But I'm not one of those guys saying, yeah, he's not going to do that because how could he? Well, because he's the owner and it's his team and he can do what he damn well pleases. I want to hold you to it. <laughs> Sitting here right now, the field or Saturday? I'm not going to hold you to it. I'll, I'll take the field. Okay. Understand because it's it's weird. It's such a large field. It is a it's a very large. <laughs> Why is it such a large field? Is because know. when when you when you're quoted as saying we will cast a large net, or is that requirements for you to go out there and again do that if you're going to use so that we, cliche? This is where you get the guys in their boat and they throw the the net out there and they come back with like 500 fish. Yeah, it's like, yeah, like I, Jaws when uh, when yeah, I mean, Brody is like chumming the water. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I I think at some point you can have too many candidates. I do. I, I I think they certainly want to do their homework. And again, this is the initial interviews, and then they'll have they'll get together and say, okay, these are the five, six, whatever it is, and then they'll really hone in, hone in on it. And then it gets serious, more you know, real serious. I guess. I mean, it's serious now, but I, I think you can you can certainly interview too many people. I think at some point it's it's not the same. But it's, it's, I remember like like when I go to get a car, and I talk to a guy, and then I talk to another guy, and I talk to another. Guy, at some point, I don't know what the hell they're telling me because I, I get I, you know my my pea brain, I, I, I get you know confused. But I understand talking to a lot of different people, a lot of a lot of young guys, older guys, and all this. I understand that. But at some point, and maybe they already do. If they talk to twelve, in their mind, they really think it's five or six guys. But one thing that I found interesting that Chris Ballard told us is that when you go into this, you have got to have your eyes wide open. You can't sort of have either a, a, a guy in mind or a type in mind or whatever, he says, then you overlook people. You, you overlook a real good candidate. And the first thing I thought about was Mike Vrabel. I, I don't know why. I, it just defaulted to Mike Vrabel back when they did this before. So I, I think you go in there with an with a, with a open mind. But at some point, you, you still have to have some idea what you're looking for, I guess. I, I don't know. But, you know, but again, at the same time, I, I think you can have too many – candidates but this is where we are and again i I think there's gonna be three or four more interviews before they make the cut down don't take offense to this but i've described the perfect candidate in my belief to be somewhat like us both and that is old and crusty been there There been there and done that and so far i'm setting my ways yeah so far i think this group needs it i think it has showed this past season regardless of jeff saturday or frank reich especially frank reich that it needs it that's why the guy that stands out to me so far is not going to stand out to anybody else probably is dan quinn because of the resume and i don't care what happened in the second half of the super bowl i mean hell at least they were there i would take that second half of the super bowl with the colts being here now as you know compared to what kind of crappy season we have seen this past year but it's a guy like that who's going to have a firm grasp on everybody because to me it appears that's exactly what that locker room needs 
we had our, we did our podcast on Fox fifty nine and Joe Hopkins and, and Dave Griffiths and Dave always brings good insight where I I, I tend to wander, but he, he doesn't. His point is on, on a, a Quinn or Raheem Morris is you know they had their chance and they flamed out and they got fired. And my only point is, well, yeah, Tony Dungy got fired too, and it worked here. So, it. But his point is, let's you know, they 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 had their chance; it didn't work. And and I do know, and I do know that the Colts are valuing, or, or they believe that there's that there's value in in having a guy who's done it before and can learn from what didn't go right. Now, you can argue that it didn't go right because he wasn't a good head coach. I don't know. But I do know that they think that while that's not a prerequisite head coaching experience, they do think people out there do think that there's value in, well, you know, this is what I did wrong before, and and I I can learn from it. And and Raheem Morris and and Dan Quinn fit that. So, and and then you've got these young guys who are interested. They they are, you know, Jamico Ryan's. The thing is, he's coached since gosh, is it seventeen, two thousand seventeen. Not been around real long, but he's dynamic. And the the one thing I always say is, keep in mind, Raheem Morris will not be allowed to bring three Pro Bowlers with him from Frisco. And and the guys that are the hot, you know, who's a Brian Callahan from Cincy, he's not bringing Joe Burrow with him or the receivers. So you better be darn sure that you like what the guy does as a coach. And and yes, he gets he maximizes the the, the great talent that he's got, but, but he's not going to have necessarily that great talent here at certain positions. So be sure you like the guy and what he brings, as opposed to well, when he had when he's got really good, good talent, really elite talent. This is what he does because in some instances, that's not going to be the case here. Who was it that had the opinion they got fired? There's a reason, not them. Who was that again? Uh, Dave Griffiths, our guy. Oh, uh, Dave. It was Dave. Okay. That's a horrible opinion. Tell Dave that I said as much. That's horrible. (laughs) I told him I didn't agree with him, but (laughs) he generally generally brings a good take, and I didn't agree with that. I do do think there's value in, well, I didn't do it right that time, and I can do it right this time. Yeah. Uh, I'll pass that along maybe. Probably not. Mike Chappell of CBS 4 and Fox 59, uh, along with the bad opinion, clearly, of Dave Griffiths. He's with us via the Andy Moore. Dave, I'm sorry I brought you into this. I apologize. I, um, yeah, the Dan Quinn thing, and it's not like that 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 rings a huge bell, but uh, at least from the, the, the 14 so far, that's what stands out to me. So how do you think? This Harbaugh thing. Now that we, I guess, have officially put it to bed, how do you think that? Year. Yeah, how do you think that that went down? Did that go down as they knew that he didn't have any interest? Because there is zero way, right? There is no way, as Rick Venturi would say, it would be malpractice not to have a high level of interest in Jim Harbaugh if you're Jim Irsay on down. So that had to be Jim Harbaugh saying, "All right, Indy for me right now. It's not the time and place." I do know that there was contact now. What level of contact? I don't know. I don't believe the Colts and Jim Harbaugh talked. Certainly not face to face, but you know, I, I don't think that there was direct contact. But there was contact, and whether that was Harbaugh trying to see the Colts' interest, which I think there would have been good interest, or the Colts 
reaching out to him to gauge his interest. I think, if I'm not mistaken, he didn't he interview with Denver or Carolina? Well, what, I think for, formally with Denver, but I think informally, right, with uh, Tepper and I Carolina? I think either one was formally. Maybe it was. I, I thought the Denver thought. one was via Zoom. Is that formal or informal? I'm not sure. Well, it's, I think it's formal because the, most of these, if not all these, have been right. Zoom and they're formal. So, But I, I do think there was some contact uh but i guess if there was in the Colts said no i i just don't know that would have been the case this sounded more like harbaugh didn't want it to go further i don't know I, i'm getting that i'm getting it all that where i know there was some type of contact uh but beyond that i don't know how strong it was either way and i i, I just keep wondering whether Harbaugh, and I didn't see if he got any kind of an extension out of this, if he got a boost in his pay. That's generally what you use NFL interest in is, is to sweeten what you've got at your at your college. But I'm just all he's got to do is say, "No, I'm staying at Michigan." I mean, not now. I mean, forever. And I realize why they don't. But I just get tired of every year. And then these coaches, and then and then a, a coach. It takes umbrage that, that you that we ask them, you know, how dare you ask me that if I'm going to go? Well, but because you won't say no, and I understand why you don't say no. Just say, hey, I, I, I'm always listening because you have to listen because that's the business we're in. But you know, I I, I, w- I wish this Colts thing would end soon, and it's not going to. This is going to go on. Remember, Chris Ballard told us maybe mid February, and I believe him. Unless they do what some people think they might do, which you know we're not going to say that, but but I think this is going to be a long process because it's already a semi long process. Unless they do what some people think they might do, well, if they've already interviewed the guy that they're going to hire, <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it out loud because it, then you'll have it on tape. And you can, no, you can I would. Mess I, I wouldn't tape. do that to you. I would do yeah, that to other would, people. Yeah, I would not do that to you. No. Yeah. You, well, then you'd have somebody do. You'd be like the Harbaugh interview with her <laughs> contact with the Colts. You'd have somebody do it. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't. I just. I kind of wonder with the Harbaugh thing if if Ballard being here played a role at all. So, well, yeah. I because uh, I've heard that, but it. I don't know if that's how, altogether how true. Could, how would that work out? I I don't think very well. Uh, I really don't. So. Because again, you've you've got to have a guy besides the owner, who, who you know the, the buck stops here with the GM, and it's hard to have two strong personalities and 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 whatever the other word is. I mean, where you want or or you want and should have control at at one spot, not meaning the owner. So, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see where it goes. I I I, I kind of would like a guy that's. That's been there before because then he then nothing's nothing's new to him, you know. No, nothing's a real surprise on, on what you're, you're what you're signing up for, whether it's the daily operations, whether it's practices, whether it's whatever dealing with offense, defense, special teams, all that stuff. As opposed to when you're getting a coordinator, he's been in his own little world. Now he's been really really good in that world, but D'Amico Ryan's has, has dealt with the defense. You know, and Callahan's been, you know, he's got his plate full with the offense. So, I and as long as the guy just wasn't a complete knucklehead previously, and I guess we could argue the knucklehead level on 
on on Quinn and in Morris, but I do think there's value in having done it before if you had success at, at, at you know to some level when you did it before. So Mike Chappell of CBS 4 and Fox 59. He is on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. You're going to have to explain to me if Jeff Saturday is the choice, how in the world at all this dynamic next season is going to work between he and Chris Ballard. I don't know. I, I, how would that make the least bit of sense? Yeah, and, you know, it, it, we've, we've got two evidence, two pieces of evidence where he wasn't in favor of it. Remember how we had spirited conversations remember when he was sitting there on the introductory one and then he told us up front when we talked to him last month how he told Jim Ursay that you know this is unprecedented and and understand what you're getting into and, and understand what you're putting Jeff Saturday in so yeah especially after him being the football guy that he is dealing with eight to 10 to 12, however many guys you talk with and then bring back in for the second round, their resumes are going to be better. They just are. And it's not, again, I always qualify this. This isn't meant to be a knock on Jeff. It's just that he's not done this before. Take away the last two months of the season. And these other guys have done it before. They've done it at a high level at what they do in their own little world. And, yeah, I just – if you're a Chris Ballard guy who who's in his, his football bunker and he, he knows how things work, he knows how things operate, and he's got 10 resumes here, and you got Jeff, who – great player, great great person and great personality and great leader and all that stuff. And all you've got to go on on paper is one and seven – and two or three or four games that you think, holy crap, what did I just watch? And I realized he was put in an impossible situation. I said they could have put, you know, Andy Reid in, in, in charge of that team, and they probably would have won a game or two different. They, they could have left Frank Reich in control, and Frank wouldn't have blown some of those games. He just It just wouldn't have happened. It just wouldn't. I don't care if all the, the Frank Reich haters – and all that, it just would not have gone this way. It just wouldn't have. I'm convinced of that. So I don't, yeah, the hardest thing is going to be, and I don't think the owner will care because, one, you can't care too much about the fan base. I mean, the reaction. You you have to sort of be concerned, but you're not driven by it. But we were talking in the press room. The idea of him sitting up there in a month with Jeff and, saying, I'm thrilled to be here, and Jeff's our coach, and this is why. And I don't know. I, I, I'm a great BSer. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a very, very good writer. I'm a great BSer. And I don't know if I could sit down and write out beyond the leadership and you'll get things together organizationally. I don't know how I would say, but based on evidence, th- this is why. And again, it comes out as, a, as criticism of Jeff, and it's not meant to be. It's just that when you're thrust into that situation with nothing else on your resume, with, with a clean slate, which you come in with, that that's what you know. That's what your your resume is. And I don't know how they do it, other than if they want to do that, they'll do it. Well, and well, uh, how conveniently things have been blamed with this organization for a while. Yeah, I, I mean, a year ago it was. You know, Jim Irsay blaming conveniently Carson Wentz, and you can just as easily this year 
conveniently blame Jim Ursay because had you wanted well, to fire I'm, off I'm with Jeff Saturday, you, you do it with a clean slate after the season. And we debated all season long. By the way, too, legendary singer, songwriter, guitarist David Crosby has passed away at the age of 81. That is a big oh, musical that. story that is going on down right now. Legendary, to say the least, singer, songwriter, guitarist David Crosby has passed away at the oh, age of 81. Yeah, no doubt about that. Just uh, greatness. There's no doubt greatness right there. But, but you start, and I know a lot of people argue with me about this point, but if you start Saturday in the off season, give him a clean slate, you don't have everybody going back to how this season ended and how everything and is the, on the shoulders the of the coach. To, so That's the approach they'll take is that was, you know, no one could have won in that and, and all this. And Okay, I'll, I'll argue that with you. And it will be that we're starting from ground zero. We're going to give him a chance. And like Jeff said, he said, I've got, you know, I've got my vision of what I want to do. It'll be different. It'll be significant changes. And, and that's how he will have to sell himself. That's probably what had, he had to sell himself today talking to Chris because anything else doesn't work. Well, you know, back in that game, I did that. None of that works because it, first of all, it, 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 again, it wouldn't have mattered for the most part. But you've got to really do a sales job on how you would do things differently. And again, we've talked. There was something went wrong with that team at its core. It just did. Remember when Chris Ballard said that there was a, the competitive confidence was 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 really weak, and, and when they got in close games and needed something, it was gone. Well, that, that's that's deeper. That's deep. That that goes deep. And I don't know whether that's. On Frank, whether players tuned him out, I don't know. I don't know. But Jeff Saturday needs to come in, and I'm sure he did with Chris today. And he laid out his plan. This is what I believe I need to do. This is what I will do. And and he and and he and Chris Ballard they need they need to get along. I mean, it, it sounds kind of simple, but the head coach and the GM, if if they're if they start off on different wavelengths, I don't know how it works. We've seen how, how it didn't work here at the end when the GM and the head coach didn't didn't get along very well. Now, it was okay at start, at, when it started, but, but if you start off to where the, the head coach is thrust on the GM, I just don't know how that works. Uh, but, again, it, it, this is this is Jim Irsay's team. It's kind of like the Rooney Rule. They've already satisfied the Rooney Rule. And people can bitch and moan as much as they want about sham interviews and all this. And, you know, I, I would argue, and it's true. I mean, not, not totally true because they, they've interviewed these guys uh, honestly and up front and, and, and seriously. But, you know, wherever Sean Payton goes, whether it's Carolina or Denver or wherever, well, he's, he was a guy. And all the other minority candidates or, or all candidates were, were, were just sort of, there until Sean Payton said yes. So owners are going to pick who owners want to pick. It is, that's just – if you don't like that, then, you know, I'm sorry, but that's how business works, not just football, but business. You know, pick any business in the city or the country, and, and they're going to hire the people they want to hire. And, and it's not always right. It's not always fair. But if Jim Irsay wants to go against all norms and, and hire Jeff Saturday, he will. And we can all write about it and complain about it and say, you know, do you really do you really think what you're doing is right? 
But if he, if he believes in his core, that's the right thing to do. That's what he's going to do. So Mike Chappell of CBS 4 and Fox 59 on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. This is back to Ballard for a moment, too. Would Jim Mercer still have a deep level of belief and trust and confidence in Ballard, and there would be a year seven for Ballard here? Would he have that same level had it not been for the drafting of the long-term future quarterback and the, the hiring process of its next head coach? If would, would would did he maybe not want to be on the hook for both of those aspects and a general manager too? Well, I would almost argue that if you didn't trust him, you you wouldn't you wouldn't let him do it. I mean, you've got it. You've got to have so solid trust to, because what these next two decisions. But if he picks Saturday, then he doesn't have. He, I mean, do you, well, does I, he still have trust? If he picks Saturday, does he still have that level of trust? Well, I guess you're still going to have him. Make the, the the pick at quarterback, and I think quarter. Mm-hmm. I think it's more important to get the quarterback right than the head coach. I completely right. agree. Yes. I really do. I I've seen a lot of bad coaches succeed because they had a stud quarterback, and, and, and vice versa, where you can have a, a great coach and not work because you haven't got a quarterback. So, yeah, I I I, I do. I may not answer this cor- totally what you were asking, but. I just you just have to accept the fact that he trusts him because he's putting him in he, him in charge at least until it comes to the hiring of the head coach and, and the quarterback. So uh, now again, if he they do all this and Chris says, you know, we we talked to you know a zillion guys and I really like these five, but I really really like these two, and it's Dan Quinn and and D'Amico Ryan's. And Jim says, "That's really. I really appreciate what your work did, your work you did, and you know your new head coach is Jeff Saturday. I, I don't know how the reaction is in the building, and, and and I'm not. I don't mean by people really, really having an appreciation for Jeff Saturday as a, as a person and a player and all that. So I'm, I'm saying as as a as a coach who can, who who you have total confidence. Not not that you hope, but you have total confidence can get the job done." Uh, but it, it, it's it's going to be it, it is a strange dynamic right now with with the GM and the, and the owner, primarily because the owner has has cast his his one vote in two or three situations, and that does take that just takes some of the authority from the GM. It just does. Uh, so I'm I'm curious, and, and again, if if the head coach and the GM don't, if they're not at least in the same. Building if they're, if they're not on the same you know page of you know all that stuff, I just don't know how it works. I don't either. <laughs> I, don't, I do not either. Do you like um any of these? Any I should say. Let me rephrase. Do any of these first timers that have been in on interviews? You mentioned D'Amico Ryan's a little bit earlier, the defensive coordinator. I don't think they've talked to him yet, though. I, don't think. I, I think the plan is to right at, sure, at some sure. point. He, so he's yeah, on the he's, list. He's still on the list. The two but, guys uh, with, with the Giants. Do any of these young crazy. guys, these first timers, intrigue you, Mike? Yeah, the Philly guy. Is it, is it Shane? Uh, is Steichen. it Steichen? Steichen. I just I just need to know how to spell it, not pronounce it. I I like him, and again, they're so damn young. They just are. But so is Nick. So is Nick Sirianni. And you you know why it's working in Philly? Because they got a quarterback. Because they got a quarterback who's elite. Uh. But you, you keep in mind that when Nick went from here to there, I think 
the Colts lost something offensively. I do. I, I really think they, they lost something, a voice. But his first year in Philly, he, he, if I'm not mistaken, he was a play caller. And, you know, yeah, the quarterback wasn't quite there yet. But then th- this year he, he's given Shane the play calling because he, because he, 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 he trusts him. And, and he's got that level of faith in him, which tells me a lot. It just does. It's one that Sirianni would, would recognize that he can't do it all. And maybe head coaches shouldn't be play callers, but the, but then he trusted this guy with a young quarterback and and such a great team to be the play caller. So probably him. And now as long as Nick doesn't say, "Yeah, go to Indy where they stab my guy in the back," I, <laughs> <laughs> well, which Nick wouldn't well, do. That's, I'm, that's, I'm joking. Oh, you don't think so? You don't think that he would? I know, but I maybe would, not in so many words, but. Well, would you he think would he say, would he give he a is, high recommendation for this place? You think you have to? Well, I guess you, you would. I guess you would. You're right. If the guy's got a if the guy's got a chance to head coach, yeah, you're right. He would uh, now. Maybe he would say, "Hey, you know, I don't know." No, Nick would not say. He would not give any qualification. You know, keep your head on a swivel and all that. He would not. He he would. If a guy's got a chance to be a head coach, and they screwed over your buddy. Prior, that's why you've got. That's he why wouldn't, that he wouldn't say go coach someplace else. That's for Frank. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. And by the way, I've, I've heard Frank has had really two two really good interviews with Arizona and Carolina. I mean, I was told he really knocked it out of the park in Carolina, which of course he will. Yeah, Fra- Frank will make a great first, second, tenth, twentieth impression, and I hope he gets in the right spot because Frank can coach people here. Love to dump on him on play calling and all that, and you know, g- give the brightest minds in the game, you know, five starting quarterbacks, six starting quarterbacks in your in your career here, and see how well you do. I just and when the offensive line can't block or doesn't block for the first half of the season, I thought Frank got a really bad a bad deal here. Maybe he needed to go after New England, maybe because. Something was something was yeah, really, he, really wrong. Listen, he needed to go. Now we know who else needed to go. There was a lot of things that needed to go. Yeah. So, but but just don't don't. You mentioned how they how Carson Wentz was a fall guy last year, and I was I I would sort of agree with some of that and a lot of that. I'm not really happy with the way all of a sudden Frank's the fall guy here. I just there was there was so much more wrong than Frank. And uh, I just, I just didn't like the way things were piled on. Frank was, you know, I, I guess when I had a flat tire the other day, it was Frank's fault because he's, it was, he's, he's to blame for everything. So Mike Chapel, CBS Four and Fox Fifty Nine on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I'm way over. I better take a break, but I appreciate you every Thursday. We'll see if we're any closer coming up a week from today. Mike, thank you. We we won't be, but I'll talk to you next week. <laughs> it's Mike Chapel, CBS Four and Fox Fifty Nine. Quick break. We'll come back. Ninety three five one zero seven five. The fan. The Ride with JMV. Just an average guy with exceptional hair. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Mike Chappell, CBS 4 and Fox 59 with us. Thank you for joining us. Eddie Garrison is here with me. Yeah, no road shows this week, which uh, stinks. I love being in studio, but I love being out with you for a variety of reasons. The legendary Alley Cat a week from tomorrow. 
That's a combination. Larceny Bourbon Locks, Luna Azul Tequila Shots, and a Tavern Tour starter for 2023. The uh, Alley Cat Lounge in Broad Ripple. That is a week from tomorrow. I would love to see you all there on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. The former Colts offensive lineman, friend of this show, it is Rick DeMulling with us. Big fellow, what's going on in your world? I tell you what, it all is good, my man. I've just got here to go watch my daughter do some gymnastics. Nice. God is good. Yeah, gymnastics, good. Daughter gymnastics, father watching, fantastic. And I know you're probably keeping an eye on this coaching search right now. Any intrigue <laughs> in a direction I, that you like the Colts right now? I, I will back Jeff Saturday 100%. I know there's so many people that are kind of down on him just because of how the year ended. But if you're going to lead men, he's one of the guys that I would absolutely pick um, to lead men, you know, and it's, I'm fired up. I think he can do some great things. And obviously there's so many highly qualified candidates, but I'm, I would go with what I know, and Jeff Saturday is what I know, and he he's going to do great things if given the opportunity. Yeah, I I had mentioned this. I, I, I they definitely need a strong voice, a firm voice in in that locker room. And for me, some of these first timers, and I may end up eating my words later because a couple of these guys will probably transform into something special, and you know people will not let me forget it. I'll have to own it. But I think right now, this this team, that locker room, certainly needs something, uh, if not a firm grasp on everything moving forward, at least in my opinion. Absolutely. So Jeff is one of those guys, well, he knows what's under the hood, right? He knows what's going on. He knows what he's getting into. Like The candidates that are up for it as well are probably going to be really good. But I, the one thing I've never understood was the fact that people are like, you got to be a good coordinator to be a good head coach. And I don't think that's true. Being a good coordinator truly doesn't mean or translate to being a good coach. That means you know an offense or a defense really well. Now, leading men, that's a head coach's job. And I think, like I said before, Jeff, can he come there? He commands a room. He doesn't demand respect, but he earns it. And But people love him, and he they play hard for him. So I, I'm still 100% sold on Jeff Saturday. Rick DeMolling, the former Colts offensive lineman, is with us. Also, much like me, wegrowhairindy.com, and a true believer with that in mind. But I do want to go back and reflect on on you and your time as an offensive lineman and what you witnessed with this offensive line underachieving this past year. Is that something that you maintain could be for this group a blip on the radar, or do you think longer term that is more of what we saw this past year, what this group is about? You know, if just at a first glance, I'd say a, a blip, but it happened all season. It's hard to have a, a blip for an entire season. My thought is, I don't know what's going on. Maybe there's something personal going on with each physically, mentally, emotionally, or all the above. Um, or maybe the the scheme was just really sporadic and they didn't really know what they were doing, but they just looked out of sync. Um, that's what I saw. I mean, they still have the talent. I mean, you look across the board, I mean, you have some studs there, all pro guys. Um, so I, I'm going to withhold my judgment until the third game of next season. All right. Well, I thought they really stunk this year, and I hope that's not the case. Yep. But I, 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 I do come across a little pessimistic because I thought this season was so bad all the way around. It's going to be one of those things, even more than a year ago, man, I, I kind of described you know, coming off that end-of-the-year disappointment as now they got to prove it 
to everybody uh, that that was just a blip. And unfortunately, the only thing they did prove is that it was longer lasting. They kind of evolved into being even worse this particular season. Now, I also want to mention our, I guess, mutual friend, Brian Evans. I did not know that you were also an Aurora client. Do we just do all the same stuff together? Is that the case here? We, I think we should just, yeah, go along together with everything. So, yeah, Brian, I tell you what, that has, for the people who don't know it, like it's a uh, CPAP um, apparatus, and it has helped me tremendously. I have a CPAP machine, which was helping, but, like, the the oral apparatus has, like, been the phenomenal piece. for me. Yes, the, the mouthpiece. Mouth I love I the mouthpiece. I lay on my back. Yeah, I can finally lay in my back. Like I couldn't even lay in my back with a with a CPAP, but this the mouthpiece is awesome. Yeah, no doubt about that. The Aurora Sleep Clinic, couple of uh, big time, certainly clients right here. By the way, Bullseye too. We do all we do the same stuff. Bullseyeeventgroup.com. <laughs> so we do all the same we, stuff. Absolutely. I'm actually going in for my second procedure for my hair since I had so much to do. They they focus on the front of my head. Now I got to go back in and get my uh, my crown done. And yeah, obviously Bullseye Event Group, we're going to be crushing it at the Super Bowl. And yep. that is such a phenomenal event. I mean, it's so much fun and just it's literally like nothing you've ever seen for an event. 100,000 square feet plus of red carpet rolled out food the best food that you can have at a tailgate it's unbelievable yeah Kinnett just uh, incredible job that he does and, and that one at the super bowl coming up in arizona is going to be spectacular rick demolin the former colts offensive lineman with us i also wanted to bring this up outside of the realm of, of football but i guess you got some nfl alumni with you a little bit about this poker tournament at uh, indiana granted horseshoe coming up in february yeah, absolutely. I appreciate that. So we are going to have a charity event. It's a $500 buy-in poker tournament at, like you mentioned, over at the Horseshoe Casino. Um, we got guys like Ken Dilger, Ryan Dean, Gary Brackett, Don Thomas, all these guys that you've been watching for years. Um, what we're going to do is at each table, we're going to have a former player. And if you knock out one of those former players, you get your buy-in back. The buy-in's 500 bucks. Um, I mean, it's going to be phenomenal. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to go a portion of the uh, – the, the money will go in for the charity, and then a portion will go into the um, the prize pool. But the winner is going to be getting a World Series of Poker main event entry. And then we're going to pay out spots from there. We got a sweet, amazing WWF championship belt going to the winner as well. I, I'm fired up for this. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, so, yeah, uh, the best way to get to it would be – so jumping on, it's called Give Butter. Not Give Better, but Butter, like the stuff you spread on your toast. GiveButter.com slash poker underscore tournament underscore 2023. And, and so, people people can get involved in that? Yes. everybody. It's going to be open to the public. We are really, we're starting to fill up rather quick. We are going to be looking for sponsorships. So if there's any – People looking for sponsorships out there, they can get a hold of me. And, yeah, it's going to be a great event. The casino is really backing us on this. We're going to have auction items, some giveaways, and it's just going to be a lot of fun. How long have you been playing poker? I have not played for, let's see, I have an 11-year-old. So I haven't played for about 11 years. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, you're lot. getting new into yeah. it, yeah. Have you ever, no, flop, have you ever flopped the nut the straight? I have, yes. Just like in rounders, Teddy KGB going down. See, I had to throw that in because the listenership out there, fans of the show would be highly disappointed if I did not make a rounders reference while talking about poker with you right now. Because I make them all the time anyway. Yeah, it's, it's it's one of those, Rick, it's one of those when it's on 
no matter how many times you've seen it, you'll watch it over and over again. Does it make more? See, I love it, but it's still poker-wise because I don't play doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Does it, as a poker player, <laughs> even though you haven't played in a while, does it make more sense, you know, those moments of actually the, the table and the games being played? Does that make more sense oh, to you? Absolutely. I mean, I used to play quite a bit, and so I loved it. I they started watching it in college and watched it all through ever since then. But, yeah, it's one of those things that you just – if it's on, you watch it, and yeah, it's legitimate poker conversations the way they speak, where they talk. Yeah, it's it's pretty legit. All right, the poker tournament again. Tell the folks how they can get involved and when it is, Rick. Absolutely. So it's a five hundred dollar buy in. It's a poker tournament. You're going to be crack, cracking heads of former football players, and um, you get a bonus of five hundred dollars every time you knock out one of the celebrity players. The way to get involved and get onto it is givebutter.com slash poker underscore tournament underscore 2023 and uh we're gonna be rock and roll on february 18th you got it well have a great time with that i appreciate you coming on and again rick demolin the former colts offensive lineman also of the uh, bullseye event group.com of the aurora sleep clinic and of the we grow hair indie.com we do a lot of the same things hence two cool dudes on the andy moore automotive group hotline my brother i appreciate you have a great time and have a great event coming up in february I appreciate it. You have a blessed one, and uh, thanks for having me on, my man. Rick DeMolling on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Do you play poker, Eddie? No. Anybody out there at JMV 1070 play poker consistently? I don't think I've ever asked anybody that played um, exactly as far as the as far as the lingo is concerned in rounders, how close, if not accurate, it is with what actually goes on during a poker game. I've just, this is a true story here. I've never played cards. What is the game that is Indiana's own? Euchre? Yes, Euchre. I've never, ever played one wow. single hand of Euchre. As a guy from southern Indiana, that astonishes me. Not one hand of Euchre. Wow. The only thing I've ever done at the casino is I played blackjack, and that's it. Not wow. one single hand of euchre in my life. Wow. I, I'm just in awe. I can't believe really? that. Yeah. Am I the only one? I know you're not the only one, but a guy like yourself, you know, I would I would just be, sh- I'm just shocked that you've never played euchre. Well, I tried to pick up chicks all the time. <laughs> I love playing euchre to the dudes that sat around punching each other in the arms by themselves in their dorm rooms. I'm going to sit and McNutt with one another. Yeah, I didn't really do that. <laughs> now, it's not like I went out there and got any work done. I didn't. Now, we all know that. They could not say no to me quick enough, but I was always in the game. I just never felt compelled to play card games during that, I guess. Not one hand ever of euchre from me. And look, I am deeply woven into the fabric of of southern indiana too quick break we're back in studio tomorrow the guest list today outstanding i want to thank everybody for being on the show we'll get you tight with what's going to go down tomorrow the schedule of college games tonight with local interest in mind that and more final time next the ride with jmv wow i don't know what to say i guess wow 
I guess the only thing I can say is I'll promise to keep rocking and rolling and making better films. 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. R.I.P. to one of the greatest of all time, David Crosby. Passes away today at the age of 81. One of the all-time greats. Entertainer, singer, songwriter, musician, all of the above would describe the great David Crosby, who again has reportedly passed away at the age of 81 today. We love music here. We really do. We love sports. We love talking sports. But I know I speak to a lot of folks, too, that also love music. And uh, that is a big one right there. That is a huge musical loss, an all-timer in David Crosby from earlier today. Eddie Garrison, great job from you today, too. We had a fantastic show. Evan Sidery, a little bit earlier, basketball news, about the approaching NBA trade deadline with regards to the Pacers and other teams throughout the NBA. And uh, certainly uh, what the Pacers are going through right now without Tyrese Halliburton, it has not been good. It was not good last night, losing big time on the road at Oklahoma City, and they have two incredibly difficult games. Back-to-back style tomorrow night and Saturday night in Denver and in Phoenix. So that is going to be incredibly tough and a, a bad spot at the moment for the Pacers right now. Evan Sidery a little bit earlier, too. In case you missed this news, Mike Bray says his season, this season at Notre Dame, will be his final as he will retire. Rafael Davis, the former Boilermaker and Big Ten Network analyst, was on earlier. He was absolutely outstanding. Remember tonight, Purdue's on the road in Minneapolis to take on Minnesota in the Big Ten. IU and Illinois tonight as well. Hoosiers in Champaign. That is a 7.30 pregame. That's an 8.30 tip from Champaign tonight. You can hear it downstairs, 93 WIBC. you got IU and Illinois. We're going to have a full recap for you coming up on the show tomorrow with voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher, in the 5 o'clock hour. Again, IU, Illinois, 7.30 pregame downstairs. That's 93 WIBC. Also, Mike Chappell. Jeff Saturday did interview today, so make it 14 in all that have been requested and or interviewed by the Colts to this point. Jeff Saturday today, and you added one more to the list. Brian Callahan, the offensive coordinator of the Cincinnati Bengals, was an addition today. Reportedly requested to interview with Chris Ballard and the Colts. More on that coming up tomorrow on Mike Chappell, Rafael Davis, Evan Sidery. Podcast. If you missed any of them today, 1075thefan.com. Great job from you, Eddie. Not only today, but all week long. Thank you very much. Todd Meyer, our executive producer in the studio as well. And we'll come back with you coming up on tomorrow's show. Bob Lovell, Indiana Sports Talk. The well, the stretch run for the girls' high school basketball regular season. As the pairings have been made and uh, They uh, get ready to conclude 
the regular season. We'll hit that, the boys' regular season as well, and collegiately with Bob Lovell tomorrow, Mike Wells of ESPN Radio tomorrow. And as I mentioned, Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers, also coming up on tomorrow's show, which should be an absolute blast. You guys have been fantastic. Inside the Lounge via YouTube Live, thank you very much as well. This is 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Have a great night.